Well, what was that, Trevor? You had a question? I was going to ask, like, behind-the-scenes questions, so... Oh. Oh, oh boy. Probably not, like, want to bring live on the, on the pod. Yeah. So, we, well, I, we, can, we can talk about those after. I think we know what that. we're doing in this episode. Do we? Oh, wait, I guess we have a doc, so I can look at that. Yeah, I mean, we should probably talk about... The doc? That game. There was a game. Well, it was a game? News and rumors. There was a game. Wait, which, oh, which order, I guess? We have oh. several... Uh, two. We have two bullet points that don't have anything. Am I... Nope. You're looking at... Those are for you, Trevor. You didn't fill them in. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's right. <laughs> oh, hate a loan purchase is apparently... F- no, we'll get there. Yeah, we will get there. <laughs> Wait, is it seriously? That's yeah, right. You, we will get there. Oh my! But to get there, we're gonna have to sit Goodness. through. Well, we want to sit through it. But... Is that something that was said on a broadcast or on a tweet? On a broadcast. Okay. Oh, on well. the broadcast. Boy, of that game. Okay. Of that game. Yeah. Wait, cool. Our game or another game? Our game. I a didn't game. watch any. Oh other my games. goodness. Okay. It was well, Jeopardy actually it was the game. Weirdly, yeah. Taylor Twelman. I mean, there's was other playoff games that have happened or will happen, and I'm sure Taylor Twelman has commentated on. Uh, I, think, uh, no. I don't know why Taylor Twelman would be commenting on RSL for another hasn't. game. So that's a good question. But yeah. there was a different team for the other, the other ESPN game that day, oh, and then yeah, it was yeah. Fox the next day. So oh, we should sure. start well. calling them Disney games. We should. We have. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I don't. I don't know about the Disney games, but Taylor Twelman was standing next to John Champion, and he looks so tiny. He looks like a little tiny guy. Yeah, John yeah, Champion he's, is he's like a small boy. Pretty tall, right? He must be. Because, <clears throat> but it's well, crazy. Taylor Twelman about, like, Taylor tall, Twelman. So. Well, Taylor Twelman was also. It's weird because he was also a striker who like scored a lot of headers. Taylor Twelman's pretty tall. I don't think he's. Okay, he, he's well, what, let's like look at five this six or something? That's a good. That's a very reasonable height. <laughs> I forgot that your idea. He's five eleven actually. Is oh that skewed. can't be true. Yeah, well, that's what Google says. John John Champion. Champion. Oh wait, we're talking about Taylor I, Twelman or John Champion? Taylor Twelman. Oh, I was talking John about John Champion Twelman. is listed at six three, and okay. he definitely looked more than four inches taller than Taylor Taylor Twelman. So. That is true. Hmm. Interesting. I mean. Kind of like how really? Donovan Mitchell's been lying about his height since he got drafted into the NBA. <laughs> Taylor Twelman, real height. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they put John Champion on a box. I wish. Champion on a box. I on absolutely wish. Twelman. Well, anyway, what's going uh, on? No, what's going on, guys? What's what's today? Today is Tuesday. Five eleven is a reasonable height. Today is Tuesday. Did you know Taylor Twelman's mother is named Moochie? Moochie Twelman. I mean, that's pretty good. All right. So uh, I found his height in centimeters and it is different. It's like wow. the number you got to convert five it foot that, four <laughs> and not five foot 11. That's, height that can't be right. <laughs> All right. Well, this is we're getting <laughs> that can't be right. Somebody tweet at Taylor Twelman and, and <laughs> ask this out. I'll tweet it. No, you take a screenshot and then send it to me and then I'll tweet it at him and be like, so which is it? All right. <laughs> Get your facts uh, straight. What's going on? What's going on, guys? What's what's freaking new? What's what's popping? Should I show you what's new? Yeah. You notice well, that I'm looking over at a different screen. Yeah. And not up. And that's because I've entered the realm of old people. Of the eye correction. Nice. Look at this guy. Join huh? the club, huh? Yeah, Ooh. it's uh 
I have reading glasses and distance glasses. I'm not wearing the distance glasses. Reading right now. and distance glasses? Separately, yeah. Wow. I are just they, really jumped fully into old age. Are you uh, planning on getting bifocals? Um, I have already worn my glasses on the bridge of my nose like this. Have you done the, here's here's a shout, have you done the Humberto Brennus where you have your like reading glasses down low and your long distance glasses on your eyes? I don't, I don't have my long distance glasses yet, so. <laughs> so you're wearing two glasses at once? That sounds disastrous. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that. Oh, man. It's kind of nice. I think there's going to be like glasses, four though. people that listen to this podcast who's ever even heard the name Humberto Brennus. And I definitely you guys have. are champions. Congrats to all three of you. Congrats to everybody who knows who Humberto Brennus is. He's, uh, of course, I knew that he was a Costa Rican professional (laughs) poker player. uh, And that he resides in Miami Lakes, Florida with his wife and three children. Mm -hmm. I definitely knew that. That sounds like him. Yeah. Well... What's going on? Uh, Matt, you, yeah. you seem like you're up to something this evening, aside from the glasses. What's going on? What, what you okay? How, how are things? Oh, socially, I said I was, I said I was torturing myself and that's because I was preparing for the podcast. Oh, I see. I was rewatching Real Salt Lake after the two goals. Okay. Well, God bless you, Matthew. I know somebody has got to do it. Yeah. I, guess. I don't know right. why. It wasn't me. So, well, that's good. Yeah, um, um, but I, I did do some homework in preparation for this episode. Nice. Congrats. So last episode, Kyle, you said there was some debate and you were wondering yourself about whether Prince of Darkness or The Thing was the better motion picture. And Matt's got the definitive John answer. John Carpenter's, uh, 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 what's, what's repertoire? Repet- it's like, I want to say discography, but it's obviously not that. Filmography. 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 <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? So you watched Prince of Darkness and The Thing. Which yeah. one did you like more? I also watched They Live uh, because oh, I love that movie. Nice. And okay. uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper is just perfect in that movie for some reason. Wait, Rowdy sure. Roddy Piper is in a movie? Yeah. Have you not heard about They Live? No. It, it's a John Carpenter directed science fiction film. 1988. Uh, and it, it definitely like it, it's part of the, the left, I guess you could say. Satirical science film, science fiction action film. Documentary. Yeah. All right up my alley. Yeah. No, it's it's, it's really awesome. good. Um, unfortunately, I actually don't have the answer about which is better. Oh, wow. um, but, but they were like, they felt pretty different. This is true. Um, I mean, one was kind of like a, I mean, they were both kind of creature horror Mm -hmm. and both like kind of gross out. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. Uh, I should have not. Really good practical effects, right? Yeah. Like not realistic. um, Right. But it turns out that doesn't actually matter all that much. Exactly. Um, It's like they're unrealistic, but because they're practical effects, it like looks like so good i just yeah it's great. yeah if you're gonna have unrealistic and unreal looking because it's graphic effects mm-hmm. it's kind of a combination that makes it just look really fake but like yeah practical effects make the unrealistic stuff look pretty cool so yeah and just like really spectacular mm-hmm. um i think i enjoyed prince of darkness slightly more interesting okay um i thought the religious themes were fun like I, I thought that it was 
had that that suspense a little more than the thing mm-hmm. in some ways, uh, but the thing was incredible as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, this it was really good. Thanks for uh, putting us up to the challenge. <laughs> I'm so glad you did that. Yeah. I uh, yeah, great. I, I I don't know. There's something about that era of John Car- Carpenter that's just real good. I don't know what he's up to now, but I think he just kind of became like a resistance lib on Twitter. I don't I don't know what he's. That sounds about right. I think that's his whole thing. I mean, he was the executive producer for Halloween Ends. Yeah, well, but, uh, I mean, executive producing is not like a real job, right? It's a thing you get paid for. But that's right. Well, yeah. I would like to be an executive producer someday. Yeah, it seems kind of cool. Seems like a yeah. good uh, situation. Do you guys know? I was thinking about this. I can't remember where I was. I don't know if it's like a movie podcast. What I was listening to, but um, Matt Damon was offered. I'm just. I've been thinking about uh, like what's Matt in Damon. theaters right now, and oh. and I often think about Matt Damon. But I was thinking about Avatar, and I was thinking about how Matt Damon was offered the role of. Uh, What's his face in Avatar? The one that Sam Worthington ultimately played. Uh, Jake, Jake Sully or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that role was offered to Matt Damon. Not only was that role offered to Matt Damon, but what's his face? Um, James Cameron offered Matt Damon like 10% of the movie's profits. And Matt Damon <laughs> said <What>? no. <laughs> yeah, wow. and that movie ended up, of course, becoming like the greatest, like the most billion dollar movie? film of all time. Yeah. Like there was like so much money and, um, Matt, Matt Damon instead made a bunch of really bad movies after that. I think I can't remember if that was after it was around the time of the departed. I can't remember if that would have pulled him out of that, but mm-hmm. anyway, that movie made $2.8 billion. So you she's know, Louise. What a dummy. $280 million plus what do you, his normal rate on top of that and whatever of like the normal, Contractual he, stuff. He may have cleared three hundred million from one movie. Yeah, <laughs> and instead I mean, of doing that, he decided to not do that. I mean, they spent a lot on marketing for that, though, right? And production was infamously expensive. Yeah, but there's also like, oh, I mean, maybe a hundred million, right? No, because I, mean, I think I, I don't know anything about this stuff, but I would imagine that the contracts are made based on what the movie grosses and has no relation to the budget. Yeah, I'm at. Well, it was it was, it was okay. So it was like dollars from the studio. It made two point five billion dollars. I think the profits were probably like one point five billion dollars or something. Still a very healthy chunk of change. Yeah, that's so insane. That's just like so. The Departed was in two thousand six. Yeah, I was gonna say it, Departed it was, really was several years before Avatar. Um, but Avatar but took like do, four to make, didn't it? Yeah, and there was Ocean's Thirteen. And the Born Ultimatum in oh, that no. time, and uh, you've got to think those are he was well compensated for those, right? Yeah. So it was, I guess it was the Born series that really ended up being, uh, um, like the the th- the things that he did instead. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nuts. I was just thinking, uh, yeah, he turned it down to keep doing Born instead. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty crazy just to think about when you think about. You know, missed opportunities. Anyway, movies are good. I like movies. Matt, what else? Have I've, you got been? A, I've got a fun Matt Damon sure. Please. Born Ultimatum thing that makes me laugh. They, somebody, some game producer tried to make a Born Ultimatum like video game. Yeah. And they, they asked Matt Damon if he would like voice his 
to his character in the video game. <laughs> and he did not do it. And the reason why he did not do it was because he had a different idea for what kind of game it should be. It was basic. I guess it, I've never seen it or played it, but I, I guess it turned into like a Call of Duty type first person shooter. Mm. And he wanted it to be much more of like a mist type game, like a much like more slower yeah, paced kind that of thing. Sounds great. He wanted it to be something I, like that. I love mist. Because he loved Mist. That was one of his favorite video games of all time. <laughs> and so he was so like, he can you guys make the game like this? Because then I'll That's voice awesome. it. And they were like, no, we're not doing that. And so he was like, all right, well, I'm yeah. not voicing it. So he That's did. a bummer. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the right choice on their part. Yeah. It's like, Mist yeah. is great. Uh, the, we know it sells in this wrong, country. But like the Bourne Ultimatum movies are action movies, right? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, <laughs> like you're like, ask it. Have you not seen the Born Ultimatum movies? I've seen at least one of them. Because um, yeah, they're, yeah, they're action movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just like a point and click mist style, it, like FMV adventure. That just sounds great. Um, other yeah. things I've been up to, uh, I went to Lan Natai today. Nice. It is open, it is just as good as ever. Uh, so I hope they had a good break. Me too. Uh, and it was it was good to have that for dinner and enjoy it. And Tuesday is Penang Day, which is the best day of the week, uh, despite what other people might tell you. Um, I was always taught that Friday was the best day of the week because Friday is pizza day. I, I knew you were coming in with that. So uh, I'm trying to think if I have anything else for social hour. I uh, Oh, this is a fun one. Jenny started a chocolate newsletter. Love it. Uh, so you can find that on my Twitter. Uh, the first issue went out today, which is Tuesday. The 18th. If you're listening to this uh, after midnight on Tuesday, because I yeah. will get it out before then. Oh yeah, we're this is an early one compared to last week. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But yeah, nice, love it, Trevor. What what's uh, what's going on in Trevorland, Trevor World? Um, Trev Zone. Let's see. We had plans last. Oh, geez, Louise. So my brain is doing this weird thing where, like, I remember that things happen, but I can't put them together. Like, if it was like two weeks ago or this past sure. weekend or like yesterday or three days ago, you know right. what I mean? So, yeah, like, no, totally. My roommate had a birthday and went out with some friends and stayed over at his friend's house, which, like, is totally normal. And because they, they like, when drinking, his ex wife, no, his ex-girlfriend who is the mother of his child texted me in the morning was like hey i can't get a hold of Bo. what's going on mm. and i was like no idea he's not here and i couldn't remember if i saw him last night before he went out or if that was two nights ago and i had a little panic attack like has he really been gone for two or three days now and i genuinely don't remember what day it was anyway it was the night before um but so i don't remember i <laughs> don't remember for a second uh it was definitely this last weekend because it was the same as the rsl game but we had me and my kid had plans to go we were gonna go like wake up early saturday and like go for a hike and then like go to a museum and like try to see the fall weather and like participate in all that and then we were gonna go hang out with cousins or they were gonna go hang out with cousins i was gonna go watch the rsl game and we like had a bunch of plans and then uh friday night my my ex-wife's brother um who has two young children um needed a babysitter they were going on like their 10th anniversary like date night weekend away thing and their babysitter 
who was my ex-wife, uh, canceled because stuff came up and this was the second time. So it was just like a mess. They had to reschedule it already. And they were like, it's too close. We're not rescheduling this. We're doing this. So we need a babysitter. Can we borrow Charlie for the entire weekend? And Charlie can just watch our kids from Saturday morning to Monday afternoon when we wow. get back. So Charlie went to go babysit uh, with Mima, who also was the adult in the room. Um, <laughs> so I had the weekend wide open. So it turned into me playing video games all day Saturday and then just simply going to the RSL game on Sunday. Um, that beer and, bar. You, you, and, didn't, you didn't go to Austin. Let's, sorry. Let's, that's Yeah, sorry. I went to beer bar, not to Rio Tinto Stadium. Um, watched the game there. And we'll talk about that. But it was a blast uh, with friends really for the first little bit. And it was great. And I'm very happy that I went. And I'm happy that we got to see everybody. Congrats to Brooke on getting engaged. Nice. Um, love it. Yeah, congrats. And I didn't hear about that. That's that's really good. Yeah, cool. I heard about it. Beer bar. Um, nice. <laughs> so congrats, Brooke. Um, had a great time. It was a it was a good 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 experience that I hope I never have to deal with again. Um, <laughs> did not regret going to beer bar at all. Um, and yeah, that was that was pretty nice. much it. Came home and just wallowed in what was the rest of the day after the playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty much it. That's most yeah. of what I've been doing lately. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about the game because it was uh, something. It was something. It was um, an experience. That I think is fair to say, my good sir. Uh, I yeah. What have I? What have I? I've been up to. I um last week we so we recorded on Thursday, if I remember correctly. Uh, had a had a an early Halloween party last Friday. Um, the friends that normally host this Halloween party, they're going to be going to Europe pretty soon and we'll be gone over the weekend of Halloween, the weekend before Halloween, I guess. So we had an early party early in the month. Uh, that is, it was very fun. It was uh, it's something we all look forward to every year. It was very, just, just a great time. Um, and then Saturday, I, I can't even, Oh, you know what, you know what Saturday was, uh, I watched, well, I, I went and had a fire up in the mountains at uh, campgrounds in Little Cottonwood Canyon. It was super lovely, super pretty. That sounds great. Very lovely uh, place to go in the fall. Um, not to blow up my spot too much, but like, you know, sometimes like when the campgrounds close for the season, thinking about Tanner Flats, just hypothetically, uh, no one ever uses them in the fall because the gates closed, but you can just walk in, you just park outside and just walk to a campsite and have a little picnic or a fire or whatever. It's very nice. So, um, it would be assuming I would do something like that, which, you know, if people wanted to do that too, that you might be able to. Well, and one so, can only imagine that, uh, if you were to do it, you would do it safely. Oh, absolutely. And make sure your fire was out. So. Yes, you would pick one of the. I think you'd be in the clear. I think so too. You'd pick one of the spots that's right by the the river that comes down the canyon. So you just have all the water you need to to put out the fire and make sure it's completely out. Um, you would do that, and uh, yeah, so that was great. I was following the Mariners game because I'm like an adopted Mariners fan for the last couple months because it was fun. Nice. I went to a game with my friends. That game went to 18 innings. Oh. Uh, it was best of five series they were down oh two to the astros first game in seattle of the series first home game first playoff game that they've played in seattle since 2001 
Uh, went to 18 innings, scoreless. Astros scored the top of the 18th. Mariners got uh, skunked in the bottom. So <laughs> I got eliminated after 18 innings after a game <laughs> that I think lasted. It started at two mountain time and ended at like 830 mountain time. So at least six and a half hours. Of Love to see it. Scoreless baseball. Um, so, yeah, no nothing great there also the Utes game was going on at the same time it was a really really fun university of utah football game they were honoring the two players who died uh in two consecutive seasons um i think 2020 and 2021 or 19 and 20 i can't remember um they were honoring them that night they had their their name or they had their pictures hand-painted on all the helmets it was crazy um most people that have ever been at Ricycle Stadium, it would have been a really fun one to be at, but it was fun to watch. And Utah beat USC in very dramatic fashion. So that was very fun. I'm glad. I hope people that are listening to this were there. I hope that was that was uh, a great time. And then, of course, we had the game on on sat on Sunday, which I think is part of the game talk. We'll talk about the experience because it was it was really fun uh, for. <laughs> Um, from the understandable <laughs> amount of time that it was fun. Okay. I was going to say, I'm very glad to hear you say that. Yeah. Because there were definitely moments where you did not look like you were having any I was fun having a all. lot of fun until I <laughs> was. You were having the opposite of fun. I was having... At, at least 15 minutes of fun. There is video footage of me being extremely stoked on the team's <laughs> Twitter and Instagram account. So, can't say I wasn't into it for a while. And then I was really bummed. Um yeah, then there was that. And then I, you know, normal, normal weekends. Uh, I've been watching. Oh, I will say I went to dinner tonight at this place called Cultivate Craft Kitchen in Draper. Okay. Um, kind of a weird place. Lisa Barlow from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City apparently is always there. So that's. Did you see her? No, I was really hoping to. I was hoping you should. I know you're a big uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I would have said City. what's up. I do keep track. I mean, I see. I see one of the other ones sometimes. Um, yeah, wow. it was. I went there for a work dinner. It was. It was pretty good. It was kind of weird. They had a cocktail there that was one hundred and seventy-five dollars for a nice. single cocktail. And this what, table what was it. I hold on. I told you what it was. It's really expensive. I mean, yeah. Fair it, I couldn't. I was very <laughs> blown away because sometimes you'll like you'll see bottles of wine or something that are on there that are like. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, and with the corkage fee, it's like double the cost, right? Yeah. Okay. So they, it's, it's a, it's called, it's got to be the gin they use. Oh, okay. Someone, it's not on the menu, or at least not on their website. It the is. The most expensive one they have is $55. No, it's this, it's called no, the second home. I found it. So it uses Nolet's reserve, gold reserve gin. I don't know if that's like really expensive gin. I have no idea. Oh, it is it is very expensive okay uh All apparently right. oh my goodness it's like 708 dollars a bottle okay yeah so it's the gin okay. they use this table by us ordered it and it was like it was like a whole presentation that they brought out and i was like okay like it was a little much um at um, ito sushi have you ever done is it the dracula it's, is that very, it's the firebird and it was firebird. similar to firebird where it was oh, like okay. Made the whole restaurant smell like a campfire, which I guess was cool. But yeah, I mean, um, it smells. It was you no, know, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was just it was very intense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was very strange. But it's a 
extremely expensive uh, cocktail. So that was fun to see, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I did that. And then um, look, at, they have a rare spirits collection. So maybe all this stuff is just incredibly expensive. But whatever. But what I've been watching lately, uh, which I wanted to mention, I, I can't remember if I watched it, had already watched it, but we watched a American Werewolf in London, which I probably did mention. But the more important show that I wanted to mention, if you, I can't, I'm sure I've talked about it when I watched the other ones, but it's from the guy that made Haunting of Hill House. Hunting of Bly Manor, and most recently before this, Midnight Mass. Uh, his name is Mike Flanagan. He's basically appears to just kind of have like a leash or no leash really from Netflix, and he just keeps pumping out these little series, and they're very, very good. Midnight Mass, I thought was was just fantastic. I thought it was great. Okay, and I he think Jimmy read The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, and enjoyed it. Yeah, and then so he just made a new one called the midnight club and it uh is very 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 good Wait a minute. About, midnight club is that the one you're gonna tell me never mind Go yeah ahead. It's, it's fine it's fine so it's about this hospice for terminally ill like teenagers so it's the it's all these kids that have terminal illnesses and they all go to this like like kind of mansion on the pacific northwest coast where it's this doctor runs this hospice for these teens who are want to be here for whatever reason. And instead of, you know, where, where they're from. And for that reason is different for a few different ones. Like the main girl, she, um, is a foster kid and, uh, she, she loves her foster dad, but like, you know, thinks that there's something maybe special about this place and wants to be here and wants to be like with, people her age and not be missing out on, on and instead of she instead of uh going to college which was her plan that fall but she got just terminal cancer and so she goes to this place instead and it's just uh i mean i'm only halfway through so far but it's very very good and the midnight club where they get the name well i'm not I'm actually won't mention that but um yeah it's really cool i just love how the, how this guy makes shows i think that's just it's like a really good blend of like um of like like good horror like it, it's not like the scariest or bloodiest or any of that stuff it's like good horror but it's like it's just good storytelling and like feels like meaningful storytelling like for uh, it's it, it makes you care about the characters and i think midnight mass was such a good example of like his work at its finest um but i think this has been really great so far too so and it, they're um, based on the books of Christopher Pike, it looks like. Yeah, I can't can remember read them, but I remember seeing them on you know library shelves as a kid. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. I, I, I mean, I've never read the books, but like, I feel like as far from what I can tell, uh, he's done a really great job with them. So, um, yeah, I've been very, been very pleased with that. But other than that, I mean, I haven't really been up to too much i've got uh i'm going to frightmares this saturday and i'm very 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 excited about that i'm a huge lagoon hey, guy speaking of frightmares and i have a coupon code for 15 dollars off if people want to dm me about it because i found it online and it doesn't appear to be um, publicized widely but i'm is that kind of 15 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm planning on going to frightmares this weekend as you well really? you should go saturday yeah. this is the um I didn't mention it, but we're surprising Charlie for being like a good babysitter. 
does Charlie listen to this podcast? No. Oh, that's too well, bad. That's well, if Charlie does listen word. to this podcast, I think Charlie would not listen to the, what are we, 20 minutes in, 30 minutes in? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think we'd they'd get that this far. But yeah, I'm <laughs> planning on taking Charlie to Frightmares this weekend. Love it. So that uh, will see you there. Maybe. Dude, yes, absolutely. Wave when you pass my house. We, we will. absolutely will. Um, yeah, that rules. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I love, love Frightmares. But yeah, um, you know, I think, I think that's it. I don't think I have anything else that's going on. It just feels like uh, love in October, not loving what's going to be, the weather's going to be starting Sunday. But what's okay. the weather going to be starting Sunday? Oh, cold. is that where the snow is supposed to come in? Real cold. Yeah. I thought it said the snow was going to be just in the mountains. Yeah, but it's still going to be real chilly down here. Yeah, sure. it looks like it's upgraded to not drop below freezing oh, wow. in the valley in Salt Lake. That's good. It's going to be 73 on Friday and 44 on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is a good in between. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So that's it. I think uh, following that's it. I, I will also say this spooky season, I've been really enjoying. There's this podcast I listen to called Yeah, But Still. And uh, one of the hosts, his name is Jack Wagner, and he's made a. A supernatural podcast called Otherworld, all one word, and it's a very good podcast. He is kind of like a supernatural skeptic kind of guy, but he basically just interviews people on on some of their stories. Um, I think he does a really good job at finding people who um, seem very genuine. It's sometimes it's people he knows, like friends or whatever. Um, but he makes the podcast for people who are uh, like kind of admittedly agnostic or skeptical about like supernatural stuff so it's really interesting to listen to it's not like sensationalized or anything like that it's just very yeah that sounds great i'm very fascinating it looks like their most recent episode has will senate that's on yeah but still yeah that's the comedy that's the yeah so he does the comedy podcast with brandon mordell the supernatural podcast is just jack jack had been doing every every halloween for the last three years jack would do special halloween episodes of yeah but still which were amazing episodes but he would just do them by himself each episode would have like multiple stories from different people. And it, 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 they would range from any type of like, they weren't all like supernatural. A lot of them were just like really weird stories and like things that happened to people. Um, like some, I mean, yeah, just the whole gamut of like things you could consider as being weird or abnormal. Um, but like kind of like festively spooky, I guess, in a good way. So now yeah. instead nice. of just waiting for Halloween or October each year, he's he started a new podcast where he's going to be kind of doing this, doing it season based, and we release a new season each year. But yeah, cool. that's um, that's great. I'll have a time for podcast soon because we're going to go up to Seattle for the Northwest Chocolate Festival. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, spooky podcast sounds great. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty fun to listen to. It's it's yeah. uh, it's pretty All nice. Right. Um, I actually need to record episodes of the Halloween episodes of uh, my sci-fi podcast. So that's what I'll be doing I love this it. week and uh, releasing them next week. Oh, well, boys, is it time to talk about some stuff relating to yeah, soccer? Let's, let's wait to get to the game because we've got yeah. to get through news and rumors and there's a lot. Did you, is there? but first, yeah, but did you guys watch any of the uh, MLS playoffs play. other than uh, RSL? I think no. I watched a little bit of, hold on. They're pretty fun. We had some good games. The LA game. I watched a little bit of that. 
The game wasn't as good, but it was still pretty good. Um, yeah, I, think I, I liked, watched like the last yeah. 30 minutes of it and was like. I liked the Dallas, uh, the, the Dallas, Minnesota one last night. Pretty insane game. I, I Dallas plays really ugly soccer, honestly. Uh, so hmm. it wasn't a particularly huh. like pretty game to watch. Huh. Um, but I don't know how, what is their deal? Like, why do they just always play a brand? Is it just Pereja? Is he still, he's still down there? No, he's in Orlando. He's been in Orlando for like five years. Is it the influence of Oscar Pereja that's just no maintained? Because I don't think he plays. They play pretty soccer either. But um, who is their coach? I don't even know. Luchi Gonzalez. Oh, it's Luke. That's right. Anyway. Pretty sure. I'm double checking. This no, before I thought he I got fired. Because remember when we were maybe going to so hire Luchi? He, oh, hold on. Hold on. Oh, yeah, it's Nico Estevez. Yeah, he did it seems get like fired. They have just always played like soccer. I don't enjoy watching. I don't know what it is. I, I don't. And I don't know if I just associate it with Blas Perez and his dumb bowl celebration or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what why I just always hated Dallas. I just don't like. But I enjoyed watching them beat Minnesota because I don't like Minnesota either. Um, they won in penalty shootout and uh, in pretty pretty offensive fashion with the last goal being like a panenka <laughs> that just really Dane St. Clair was on his back watching it just go over his head. It was a panenka at the direction that Dane St. Clair dove. So he was like underneath the ball as it just went in and it was really, really tough. Uh, that was a good one. And then the other game was the Orlando Montreal game and Montreal. Oh, and I watched the New York city FC Miami game. Uh, and NYCFC scored one of the better MLS goals I've seen this year. Just like incredible buildup. Uh, Montreal also had a very similar goal with a really nice assist from Georgie Mihailovic. Um, really enjoyed that game as well. But yeah, it was, uh, I thought it was a pretty good opening weekend of, of soccer for the MLS playoffs. Um, and we have El Trafico on, on Thursday. So that's exciting. Oh, I'll have to watch that one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It'll be really good. We should all watch that one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we do have news and rumors, which the big one was that the MLS salary dump came out. Yeah. Very which was fascinating. Which I did uh, not look at. I just saw the highlights. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot new. Um, I mean, notably, RSL didn't have a lot in the way of signings, right? Uh, in Yeah. The, or like surprises. Yeah. From the time of the first drop. So yeah. we didn't we get we did get to learn uh Oviedo's on three twenty a year, uh guaranteed compensation. Which seems low. I mean, for a a Costa Rican national teamer, like I, I don't know, it seems about right in MLS, honestly. I just mean coming from a guy that spent several years in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, yes. I understand, but I don't know. I think it's about right. Okay. I don't. I don't think we. Ha- I don't think we got a screaming deal. How's that? I think we we got a good, but not. Yeah, he's not, not super cheap deal. But yeah. I think, granted, we've seen very little of him in MLS so far. But yeah, as far as like what you get out of him, I, that's probably a good price point. Uh, we did learn that Ojeda's on six hundred million. Uh, very similar to six hundred million million <laughs> thousand thousand. <laughs> uh, I blame these glasses. I'm not used to wearing it. That's right. He's just gotten too smart. The numbers are just too big, and he's just thinking about too many different numbers because uh, his that, brain is so big now. That must be what it is. <laughs> I'm just uh, computing so much. The numbers are just growing exponentially. Yeah, uh, Krylik. Krylik, we've seen is on 1.7 million. 
Yeah. Uh, and that is above notably the uh, DP level, like the, the, yeah. sorry, the TAM maximum. Well, so hold on. We had previously assumed that Krylik was on a level. Not assumed. We were specifically told several times. Well, that, that appears to be wrong. So have it un, unless the CBA calculates. I, there's something uh, weird going on. cap impact. Yeah. I was going to say there's. It's There's I mean, some weird looking, stuff going on there because Gareth Bale yeah. is making two point three million and he's a tail yeah. player. Now, yeah. now the Gareth Bale one I get wow, uh, because he was why? signed midseason, uh, uh, and be- because of that, I think they that still doesn't like make as a two point three. If that, that's that, for a full year, then his still half season would be one point three million for half a season, and I don't. The uh, rule so says one point six five. Uh, so, yeah, he's on two, three, eight, six, 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 seven. Um, I think there was this is the problem. They're able to to wrangle a half season salary impa- salary charge out of that, then it is below the TAM level. Okay, okay. there's a uh, Sam Stacey article about it. I was going to say there's an oh, athletic good. article, and I thought I saw somebody say tweet or have a tweet that said something about it was uh, a lot of bonuses built in and the bonuses don't necessarily account for uh, TAM stuff. Yeah, I think so something having, like that. I'm just trying read, to buy time. You guys want me to read this to you? read the article so yeah, that you can explain what, what it Sam is. Says. Okay, said, so wait, Gareth Bale makes how much? For all of Insignia's millions, there was no higher profile move in MLS this year than LAFC's signing of Gareth Bale. The Welsh star arrived in California this summer on a free transfer following the expiration of his contract with Real Madrid. Notably, Bale did not sign as a designated player, but on a targeted allocation money contract. The maximum budget charge for TAM player in 2022 was $1.6125 million. League rules state that any player making more than that amount must count as a DP. Bale's guaranteed compensation is at 2.39, listed by the MLSPA. So then how is he not a DP? The answer lies in how the MLSPA calculates guaranteed compensation. According to the union's website, guaranteed compensation, quote, includes a player's base salary and all signings, all signing and guaranteed bonuses annualized over the term of the player's contract, including option years. I think that's kind of what you were saying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. As such, the figure is not necessarily a player's actual salary in a given year, but an approximation of how much he'll make on an annual basis over the course of his deal. Oh, that's that's weirder. So this year he's making a lot less, but next year he'll make a lot more. So so he will be a DP in the future. So he's making less this year because he came over in July or whatever is what is what Matt was saying. So it's even though the contract is for two point whatever million dollars it's annualized which brings down the combined mm-hmm. um yeah so okay so, Barry, so, okay, so his, contract, yeah, his, his money see. that he's making this year is different from the money that it's on the salary release because the salary release accounts for all the money that he's going to be making over the length of his contract yes that's so exactly this year right. he's making like it's we'll a, just make up some numbers. It's a three-year wait, actually. Like one million dollars, and next year he's making three point something million, yes. and that averages out to two point whatever. This yeah, is how exactly. they did it. So it says okay, Bale's contract right, is guaranteed through next June. With uh, so it's it's only guaranteed through next June. With LAFC holding an option to extend his deal through the end of twenty twenty four. So it was a it was technically a two or end of twenty twenty four. So it's a three year deal. According to what the Athletic reported at the time of the signing and what a source confirmed on Monday, the guaranteed portion of his deal pays him as a max TAM player. His annualized salary for 2022 was $1.6125 million, and that figure will be $1.65125 million for the first half of 2023. 
If they pick up his option next summer, his salary would rise past the max TAM threshold and into territory where he must count as a DP. So that is really interesting how I think they're really smart about how they do this, where they essentially do a player option or they do options on the back half of the contract as a way of of annualizing the salary out more. So like sure. you can pay, they can have as a, as a, as a TAM player. Uh, but I mean, they, if with, they might not big pick up options, right? Yeah. With big options, right? Big options. But you said the option was a mid-year option. Um, yeah. Because he was signed mid-year. Yeah, sure. But that's unusual in MLS, right? Yeah. Like, cause usually the options go to the end of the season rather than the middle of the next season. Yeah, I don't think there's anything in the CBA that would indicate that it has to be a tw- to the sure. end of the season. So sure, sure, sure. But that just means that, like, in the middle of next season, he becomes a DP. Yeah, exactly. So if well, they don't pick up the option, right? Or I believe yeah. in this case, it's a player option. Yeah, right? this is it's it's. it's a, uh, did it say it was a player option? Uh, no, if LAFC picks up his option, so it's okay. a team option. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, it says uh, MLSPA weird. doesn't ca- account for the uncertainty of whether LAFC will actually pick up his option when calculating guarantee and compita- compensation. As outlined above, they just take the total amount he'd be owed if by LAFC if they exercise his option and divide that total by the t- full two and a half year term of his deal should okay. that option be exercised so they're assuming for the for the numbers that they're releasing they're assuming that lafc will pick up the option and then that option has guaranteed compensation in it yes it's not that the compensation is guaranteed whether or not lafc picks up the option right so they're it's just assuming that they are they look at yeah they say this contract okay. is is four years the fourth year is a guarantee or is a team option and but the sal- the salary is annualized as if with the assumption that they will pick up his option, which is kind sure, of sure, a sure. sneaky way of of getting one of these players. I mean, if he performs really well, which I highly I don't think they're going to pick up his option. Quite honestly, yeah, that, no, that's what I'm saying. They? Like at this point, how are they incentivized to pick up his option in yeah. the middle they, of next they season? Got what they wanted out of him, right? And that was marketing money. Yeah, they yeah. got a ton of people showing up to games and um, buying jerseys and eyeballs on TV screens and all that crap and now they can be yet another team that gareth bale was not good enough for so yeah (laughs) it is really funny because like yeah i mean very strange he got what he wanted too is to just be able to play golf year-round so and to score a goal Um, against justin glad yeah that too toronto's salaries are just crazy hilarious they pay insigne so much freaking it's funny like 15 million or something right uh four he's the highest paid, paid player something. in league history Oof. with over 14 million dollars um, that's over 5.85 million dollars in the previous record holder which is shakiri um which is so the nice singer songwriter yes shakiri's still playing in mls is he like still yeah, on the team he's on this he's on chicago place for chicago okay well good for um, him and they also signed bernadeski which is like which was a crazy Another signing huge yeah um which I'm really excited for Toronto next season. Same. Just like I'm going all in on Toronto next season. I like this Toronto year. They were very not good, but now that they've got Insigne and Bernadeschi and like, we got a little season. glimpse of what they were capable of this year. Dude, them getting Bernadeschi is really crazy. Like that's like actually Insigne is kind of, I mean, Insigne he's, he's was, a bit, was big. I mean, that is huge. That, is, that huge, really is huge. getting Bernadeschi when they got Bernadeschi was I know. Unbelievable. I mean, peak of his peak of his career, right? It's yeah. nuts. 
Yeah, I I'm fascinated I'm, by that. I'm stoked for Toronto. Just as a side note, like if RSL, this is RSL playing a little bit more long term than I think. Yeah, I, w- I would like to give them credit for, <laughs> but if RSL just decided to like not compete next year because then they would have to be competing against Toronto, like you'd be okay with it. If they came out and were like, "Look, Toronto and LAFC are spending thirty million dollars on their players, and like we're not going to, so we're just gonna like continue to build small, and then we'll spend big in a year or two once we like get our established core." Like, if they came out and were like, "That's the plan." Hey, we I got a plan like, now. Kind That'd of get cool. on board with that, but like, it's not going to happen. So whatever. Dude, they got Bernadeski. I mean, he's twenty eight. Yeah, <laughs> and and seeing yeah. is thirty one, but like Bernadeski's, like he's been playing on the national team. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. just crazy. I mean, he it was an insane pickup. Yeah, I didn't believe it until I actually saw yeah, he's him already playing scored as many goals for Toronto as he scored in his entire time at Juventus, which is crazy. He barely played in Juventus. I mean, over, he was there for five years. So he was, I mean, he played 134 games for him, but it was over oh, five years. That's a lot. So okay. That is a I lot think, of games. Well, at the end, he wasn't playing that many games. Right. That's why he left. He yeah. like fallen out of favor with uh, what's his face. Um, oh, their brilliant coach that they have over there. He's just crushing it. <laughs> they're, they're moron coach that refuses to quit. And it's so good. And they refuse to fire him. It's insane. Yeah, no I one. Like, Pier- Pirlo didn't get this much of like a of uh, like Pirlo. I mean, Pirlo was way more successful and uh, didn't get this much leeway. It's crazy. But anyway. All right. We've so, got yeah, the- one more salary number for you. Sure. And that's Anderson Julio on eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. Which yeah. um, I'm just going to pull up his minutes from this year. I'm, yeah. OK. I was going to say I'm not mad about Anderson Julio making eight hundred thousand dollars because like I'm mad about how little time he uh, gets in games. <laughs> I'm mad about paying that guy that much money and not utilizing him like yeah. at all. That's so, the thing. Which is the point games. that you're making. Yeah. Over 20, 20 games. Um Three starts, which oh. I mean, I I get perennial sub status sure. given what he's done there. Um, he has averaged, and this includes three starts. He's averaged twenty five point six minutes. Nice. Yes, let's let's pull out those starts because I think we'll get a more interesting yeah. number there. Uh, so what it's you, what five hundred twelve minutes, and we'll take away seventy for that start. 66 for another um and you know let's take away the 15 minutes that he started and was injured in yeah uh so we've got 361 minutes over over 17 17 matches uh for an average of 21.2 minutes it's just not he's coming in after the 70th minute on average yeah which we can talk about that being a silly idea he's making more than cordova right yeah yeah cordova is seven seven hundred yeah, I thought Cordova was like eight fifty. No. no, I think he's he's like seven hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's silly. <laughs> yeah. It feels like another. It was one of those. We talked about this at when that happened. I think, but it was kind of one of those things where like Elliot needed to get one. It felt like, and like he need like we'd gone through an off season without getting anyone. Yeah. Other than Jasper Loffelson, and we kind of seemed to be sort of blowing the whole Anderson Julio thing. That was really weird because he yeah. got sent back, wasn't playing, and just was just waiting. And so it seemed like we just got him without any 
it appears without Pablo intending to really have him be a key piece of the team this season. So, well, it was again, that just speaks to like the disconnect between Simon's yeah, and like team plan. We've talked about that a lot, but it is, I don't know how much this plays into his salary. Remember how we were told originally, and I don't know if this has ever actually been confirmed, but we were told originally that the original price tag was like two and a half million dollars for the bot. Yeah. And we got him for 250K. Right. So, I mean, yeah, maybe the team good. was like, I'll just give him a couple extra bucks because we saved so much on the transfer fee. I don't know if that's how that stuff always works, but like, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I see it. So players often get like a percentage of a transfer fee, right? Yeah, but that's not like that part of have, their. That may have been salary, like a con- not part of their salary. It would, I mean, like they would get that money, you know, depending on their contract with their club, of course. But it's not uncommon for a player to get a cut of that, you know, two percent, maybe three percent. Sure. Um, if that was the case with Anderson Julio, then I could see them saying, all right, we're going to, you know, we, we are going to execute on this deal to get you to sign this contract, knowing that you'll be receiving less money out of it. We'll give you a little bit more, but at the same time, I think $800,000 for a player that scored what? Three goals, one assist. No, last year, last year, eight and one, eight and one on a thousand minutes. Like, I think that's pretty Pretty acceptable. Money, he really honestly. only got half the, the minutes he played last year. Yeah. Yeah. Year. And I mean, he came in late. So the 11th week was when he got his first appearance. Okay. Yeah. That's um, fair. And then he had, I mean, he only missed three games in total. Uh, although he had one game, two games, actually, if we count the playoffs, in which he uh, was on the bench to, but did not make an appearance. So he's playing in almost every game, but you see yeah. a lot of eight minutes, 18 minutes, 19 minutes, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's a bummer. Cause I, I mean, I do feel like he has a lot to offer this team. I mean, um, something to offer at least. Right. I, I, and not I just really a, a so. sub that you make because you are taking off Cordova. And of course, we didn't see that in the playoffs, but uh, no, that would have been a time to do it, in my opinion. But I guess we'll get to that. Why not, Anderson? There we go. It's in there. Um, The other piece of information we found out, and this is on the broadcast, and you heard it at the beginning. We we almost revealed it early, which would have been disastrous for our metrics. I think (laughs) everyone would have just immediately signed off after hearing this bit of news. Just trying to clickbait you into the last hour of the pod. Uh, so Brian Ojeda, uh, we know there's a loan purchase option. Uh, that number, Taylor Twelman revealed on national TV, is $4 million. Which, grand scale, big scale, big picture, grand scale? I don't, anyway, big, it's not not that much. Grand piano. You don't think $4 million for Brian Ojeda is a lot of money? I think that four, is a lot four, of money for a player that hasn't proven to be anything more than a reasonably good MLS player. Sure. Would you buy Brian Ojeda out at two at four million dollars right now? Not Would a you chance. buy him? Not a not a chance. You can get a lot for four million dollars. I don't think so. And I don't think the team's going to. I'm just saying like in the grand scheme of like player transfer dollars, Premier League player, at uh, that's that's that might I mean be about he's a right. championship player. He's not yeah. a Premier League player. Sure. That's if he was fair. a Premier League player he wouldn't be but even still a like, championship money. player like Four million dollar loan buyout for a championship player I can, is I can, not. I can see it. No, 
That is so absurd. I think it would, think it would be a bad deal for RSL, even oh, no, if he it's because, too much money. Even if he became a mainstay in the first six months of the, or four and a half months of the season, like I would worry about spending that sort of money. Agreed. Like that locks him into being a DP, right? Because yeah. acquisition fees count as part of salary charges. And what like as, a, as a one a of three DPs, <laughs> a nine-year deal. Oh, we might be able to would that, amortize would that, that, right? Amortize down to a reasonable number. What if we permanently traded Nottingham Forest an international roster spot? Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> How much would that be Amber. worth it to them, dude? Why would Dane do us dirty like this? Four million dollars oh, for a buyout. Why would why would he do that? To I'm just us? kidding. I know exactly why. But we don't even have Pecky anymore, man. Yeah, but we okay, do have Sarko, I'm looking so. at championship uh, transfer values. Uh, yeah, way off there. Yeah, not at all the numbers that I thought they were. I don't. I think MLS is pretty comparable to the championship. To be honest, yeah. I don't like. I don't see any evidence that like the championship is at like a much higher level. I like it's anytime no, I, I watch I, any of that, that garbage. I'm like, yeah, well, I think, I think you're probably about right. Yeah. I think I'm that's just pretty like, well I mean, we've seen a lot of guys. I, I don't know. Like we see, we see guys go to the championship and not do like amazingly well. I don't think like Daryl DK has been lights out. He's been injured a lot, but like Josh, Josh Sargent, for instance, is a great player it's a great example of a player who's like not at the premier league level really, but he's clearly above MLS. And I think he's, he's an above average player in, he'd be an above average player in MLS. He's an, and he's an above average player in the premier or in the championship right now. So, yeah, and, and certainly you could see like a 10, $15 million fee for someone like Sargent, right? Right. Uh, inside Europe to MLS, I wouldn't be shocked to see numbers like that either because you know, it's a, a, a U.S. national team, at least fringe player, if not starting player. Right. Yeah, with like a considerable amount of upside. Upside. I just don't yeah. know what to expect. I mean, you know, I think Brian O'Hate has been really good. I don't <laughs> think. I don't I like, and I, I what I think he's most valuable. What what we talked about last time is that he's providing some much needed depth in the midfield. At least so I thought. Uh, then we apparently saw our entire midfield play this playoff game, which is yeah weird. But uh, no, I, I was like very happy about like I think this means that we don't see Scott Caldwell and then Nick Beasler quite as much, which in yeah. theory is still true. Uh, but I like if we lost Brian Ojeda and Jasper Lawson started games again, I'd be like okay, <laughs> like that's yeah. that's cool. I think our starting lineup is equally as good still. To be honest, I think uh, we clearly lack depth, which is a problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that that is good to get Jasper in the depth chart and not in the starting chart, right? Yeah, as, as which good as Jasper's been, like, has he been a game changing player? I don't, I don't think so. Like, he's got his run of starts from the time we started being worse. Yeah, I, I I, he had some really good moments this season. He had a lot of rookie mistakes this season, yeah, and that that's he's a rookie. He's a third round draft pick or whatever, and older than Brian Ojeda. Yeah, good so, three years. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Jasper Lafelson was uh, a much better player than I expected when we drafted him. Yeah, when we accidentally called him up to the senior team. Yeah, I mean, all of this to say, like, I don't think anyone's saying Brian Ojeda is not a good. I think player, he's a really good right? player. Yeah, but four million dollars is a lot in MLS, uh, and maybe someday it won't be, but it is now. Yeah, and that's if what, he can't well, get ownership to spending meaningful dollars on players now like why would well, they 
I mean, trade money. I don't know. That's kind of what I feel like why I feel like it could happen is because ownership would go, Oh, we spent $4 million on this guy. That would be so We're annoying. spending money. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're willing to spend money because we, we saw him play. We liked him. We're going to spend $4 million. That would be such a bummer. So dude. one, but like one, there's a caveat. Spend we need. $4 million on other players in that. Yeah. Um, one caveat. So uh, Taylor Trollman also said that there was a loan purchase option for Sergio Cordova. It sounds like that may not actually be the case. Yeah. Um, but uh, maybe Taylor doesn't know what he's talking about. He very frequently it, it is, is, is completely wrong about that. That's not true. He's usually pretty good about. Yeah. And that $4 million like that. number is pretty. I mean, it's not like super specific. It could be anything inside that range. But, but you don't pluck a number like that out of thin air for nothing, right? Yeah. yeah, and you don't mention it on a national broadcast. I think that there, yeah. there's obviously room for confusion with the Cordova situation because he's under the same ownership group, and yeah, like so they like, might. Does it matter what his if he has one? Because like yeah. they're just moving money from bucket A to bucket B. Like, yeah, that's why. Like, I, I, I that Ryan Smith yeah. has access to. Yeah, Ryan Smith has some access to. Oh yeah, yeah. Not to say that he's like thirty-five percent access to or <laughs> he's whatever. Definitely the not embezzling. <laughs> Uh, not to say that we wouldn't say that. Yeah. No one, no one here would say that. All right. Not a serious we, way. Anyway, should no. we talk about the game? In a way that we could be held liable for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get about, we talk about the game. We should. Okay. Yeah. Well, to start things off, Trevor and I went to beer bar, bunch of friends. It oh, was really fun. On. I'm really sorry. I put another, uh, thing on the, on the dock. Oh, there's a text from Matt's dad. Yeah. He, uh, he has this to say. If the Great Salt Lake dries up, does the team become Real Salt Flat? <laughs> so there you go. Thanks, Dad. Uh, Real Salt yeah. Lake bed is what it's going to be. Salt Lake bed. Oh, that's good too. Nice. All right, sorry, yeah. beer bar. Go on. No, yeah, we <laughs> we went to beer bar. There's a good handle of us over there. Uh, it was us, Colin and Sarah, Brooke. Lucas and Casey, Andy. Uh, Andy Larson uh, of Tribune fame, and, and uh, it was great. We and like a hundred other people that were there. There were the so many people. Yeah, it was great to see. I, um, I, I was talking with I can't remember who was somebody with. I think it was the last time I was at there for like a, a watch party, like in a fit, like a where a lot of people showed up. Other than the last time we played Austin, which was just like Matt, Jenny, me, oh, Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was fun i had a good time it was great it was a pretty empty like it wasn't like a watch party we just went there to watch it yeah. um yeah last time i was there was the uh demir krylock karate kid game Ooh. i believe the last time there was a big watch party which is of course just like a an epic evening um but yeah it was there were so many people there it was great a lot of people from the cl- who work for the club were there doing like raffles or whatever um a bunch of people not wearing RSL gear at all won a bunch of the raffles. So I can only assume they strolled in there on accident and just happened to win a signed ball or a signed jersey. And it that seemed to really upset Kyle. I didn't. We didn't jump them after the after the game. If that's what you're thinking, Matt. Which is, we didn't which do is that. That that's very good. funny because I was not wearing any RSL gear there. Okay, as well. well, like I didn't win any raffles, so like you can't yeah, get mad at me. But you have an RSL tattoo, so that's true. You would have just walked up there with your leg pant held high. <laughs> and that's fair. 
Um, yeah, so it was great. It was so fun. And then the game started and things were really good. Yeah, this was a good 15 minutes of soccer we had. To be honest, I'm going to have a hard time like analyzing this. Like, you know, I was watching in this crowded bar. It was it was packed. I like, you know, watching the broadcast. It was kind of hard to really analyze it. It was chaotic environment. And, uh, you know, I got really depressed (laughs) pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so the game started out amazingly. Uh, we, We we lined up in the same formation as we did last week where I felt like we were playing our, our players in their strongest positions. Um, we had Rubio and Cordova up top. We had Miram, uh, Ojeda, Ruiz, and Chang across the midfield. And then we had uh, Oviedo on the left. We had Silva and Glad at center back. And we had Andrew Brody on the right. And f- from the kickoff, Andrew Brody was causing some problems for Austin. And it... Ha- like manifested itself very quickly. I think it was the fifth or sixth minute. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah. One of those two. Uh, We, Andrew Brody plays a brilliant pass into or across into Sergio Cordova. And he has a delightfully uh, finessed header. Like, yeah. Like a true striker's goal. Yes, like the best header we've Jordan P. Fox scores that goal. Like that's like the that's like his thing is like that's why yeah. a lot of people want him on the national team is because he has like that type of striker and the national team doesn't really have a player like that that scores striker headed goals like the way that Cordoba took that one. Oh, sorry, it was the third minute. It wasn't even the sixth minute. Oh wow. Um yeah. Um, you know who else scores goals like that? Who else scores goals like that? Sebastian Gruisi. He does, which uh, happened later, we'll but we did we'll have the uh, the penalty that took place uh, in the 15th minute in which Sergio Cordova scores his second. It was a handball. I can't remember who kicked the 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 pass. It might have been, was it Brody again? I can't remember. Probably. I, um, I, I could probably rewatch the bad portions of the game, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, I things know. were looking really, really good right here. But then, crucially, in the 17th minute, minute, Rubio Rubin gets a yellow card for uh, an aerial challenge where he went in a little too hot, according to the referee. I thought it was a pretty, like, slightly harsh yellow. Um, he tucked his elbow in. It was shoulder to shoulder in the air. I, I can see why it, it was, was yellow, but in the playoffs, it felt a little harsh to me. It felt a little harsh for the playoffs. It really, like, at the time, it felt like a setting the tone yellow. Where like the ref is like trying to be like, okay, guys, that's sure. that's the line. That's the yellow. Yeah. That's what we're gonna get. So beware. But then we had like five other challenges like that that like didn't get a yellow. So it was like a setting the tone yellow that didn't actually set the tone. It was yeah, really it was seventeenth minute for a yellow like that was just like So yeah, I was, I rewatched this in a few times trying to like wrap my head around it. And I think like the bigger the biggest issue for me is the way he like leaps into him like he gets a oh, running yeah. start and leaps into mm-hmm. him sure and you know puts like, his hip into him and i mean he wins the ball uh in the air but yeah but it's I, it was pretty like to it, make it the, was above and beyond most winning a yeah. header instances to right? make the referee's case like i think like in the regular season i think that's a yellow all day long um I'm not upset about that at all. I just think yeah. that like the playoffs have a little bit of a higher bar because it's the playoffs. Like guess, you're going to be intense. You're going to be like, and the referee like should know that and should yeah, accept that. Yeah. And I, so I, at the end of the day, like you're right. He did 
charge into a standing player. The player has a right to his position. It was a reckless challenge. Yeah. It should be a foul every single day. And through the regular season, probably a yellow card most days. But in the playoffs, like that's a foul. And you talk to the player and you'd be like, hey, man, relax. Yeah. Like, that's I, so in the playoffs, it's I think it's a soft yellow. But like I said, I get the case for making that a yellow. But that early yeah. in the game, in the playoffs, it really felt like a setting the tone. This is the line. Don't cross it. But then it just wasn't consistent through the rest of the game because that kind of challenge happened three or four times at least. And those weren't yellows. So like, yeah. And come on, man. What, what I don't, what, what kind of annoys me about that getting a yellow is like, say he had not tucked his elbow in and, and had gone uh, in with his elbow kind of at like normal elbow height and, and protruding and got whoever that was he went up against like in the neck or whatever. Yeah. I think it's a red, serious. Right? I, I don't know. I, well, what I'm thinking yeah. is I don't think that would even be a red in this circumstance. Like they would call, they would probably call that a yellow. And I was like, so I was happy. I thought, I didn't think they were going to give Ruby a Rubina yellow here. Cause he did. He looked like he did a really purpose, purposeful job at tucking, at making sure he wasn't leading with his elbow at all. Like he went in shoulder, yeah. he got him good. Cause, and he was obviously coming at a fast speed. So I, I, uh, I think that was harsh. I was pretty upset about that, which I didn't think mattered. <laughs> But of course, it ended up mattering a lot. Yeah, and uh, we'll get back to the intention part of it, right? Uh, yeah, and and tucking in and yeah. So yeah. Um, we'll that was there. cool. And then uh, Drewsy scored a header, which in in the in the thirty first minute. I mean, you know, after we scored, I wasn't feeling awesome about like what, what we we were doing. Um, yeah, we had between... wait, after we scored the first one or the second. Second, one? sorry, yeah. after we were up two zero. I wasn't feeling super stoked. Yeah, so from you the were pretty stoked in the minute, bar. Well, I was still I was stoked we were winning, but I wasn't like <laughs> yeah. thinking like, well, we're playing mate, like we're gonna like we're pouring it on right now. It did kind of feel like we okay, we've got a two zero lead, we're on the road. It's like yeah. uh, I just I remember a specific conversation where we were up two 0 and you were like, This is great, we're doing fantastic. And I was like, We can still lose this, and you were you trying did. to make the case that yes, you were like, We haven't given up a two goal lead. We're, we've got this in the bag. It's I fine. said, I said, I, like, I don't know, on, dude. <laughs> Matt, had we given up a two goal lead all, to lose all Ooh. season? Uh, not to lose, but to draw. I believe okay. so. But let I don't me... remember the, the, the bigger conclusion... problem is like we don't get a lot of two goal leads. Yeah, that was yeah. the conclusion we came to was like we probably haven't simply because we haven't had many two goal leads all season. Um, Real Salt Lake. Yeah, we did have a two nil that ended in a draw week 19 okay. against Colorado Rapids. Oh, that's right. Okay. And well, actually, I don't think there was a, there are a couple of two nails that end losses uh, from Chicago Fire, Charlotte. Like that's not uh, a competition. You mean across the league, you mean? Across the league, New England. Yeah. One. I was like, I mean, no, it's not the most dangerous lead in soccer. Like it's just yeah. not. And so, no, 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 not at all. Um, this isn't evidence of that either. So I was like, Okay, we're up 2-0. We have been a very, uh, like, I think a a good defensive team this year. And I think we are a good defensive team. And I was like, there's just, there's not, I I, I was like, I just don't see us giving giving this up. Like, it didn't feel like that could happen at that moment. Despite the fact that I think Austin was starting to kind of realize that they were at home and they had uh, a mountain to climb and started challenging quite a bit, which they did, which uh, Fagundes gets another great assist to Drusi, who was just unmarked in the box for a header. Yeah. Um, so a, a couple things in the interim before he scores that goal. Um, so the first 15 minutes we have the, we have more possession. We have more touches. We have more passes. We have more equal shots and Austin is losing possession. So we're clearly doing something right. 
Uh, but during the the following 15 minutes, so 15 to 30, from the time of the second RSL goal to the time of uh, Druisi's goal, uh, yeah, they've doubled us in passes. Yeah, they we we've uh, lost the ball more. We've cleared the ball more, and yeah. and it was clear something had shifted. So let's get yeah, go back to the the goal here. The goal. So th- it's a really frustrating goal because Diego Fagundes crosses the ball in from our defensive right side, and Chang and Brody really just gave him all the space in the world to make this pass, which is like there was just no reason for it. We had two guys here. Uh, we weren't in any situation in which like we needed to let him <laughs> make this pass. And then simultaneously, Jersey had just kind of floated into the box behind Justin Glad and in front of Marcelo Silva, just right between our, our, our two central defenders. And the, the pass goes directly over Justin Glad's head and Jersey uh, with a, just like a really great finish. So yeah, notably, really, Fagundes has had 15 assists on the year. So any like, would have him as a dangerous figure. Why are we? And like he had one of the best passes of the season. I, he liked my tweet saying, we made him look like Luka Modric last game. Yeah. And then this game, we like let like they're bleeding it. Probably their leading assist guy make just like a super easy cross into the box from a really dangerous position where he's got three on. We have three on three in the box. Yeah. Yeah. We had and, we had the numbers. We had them in. It was just I mean, I so there's a fourth player coming in that well, I, I so think we need it, to be cautious have, about here. Their three attackers are on Glad, Silva and Ojeda. And then we have Saverino, uh, like lurking in the box now yeah. as well. And we have Ruiz and um, Ovia or Ojeda just kind of at the top of the eighteen. Yeah, just and just I, hanging out. Yes, dude. And I, I don't know what it is about our these our midfielders refusing to help track runners into the box. It's just. I mean, weird. it's all of our midfielders, and that's it where is all I get our midfielders the most concerned. Uh, and and certainly they did a better job of that from minute 30 to minute 90 and right through minute 120. But yeah, we just leave our defense out to dry a lot. But I mean, again, Brody shouldn't have let this cross happen. Chang shouldn't have let this cross happen. It was, yeah, it it was, was, I mean, honestly, it was really good movement in the box from the, from Jerisi. Like it was, but you give him that pass, right? Like, yeah, no, it's definitely a total breakdown um, kind of all over the place, but also, Fagundes is really good. Look at how so far is Brody is. is like, from, it kind of makes sense that they're the guys that make a play. Yeah, yeah. he has left him a lot of space. I and don't I, know why. I Brody like Andrew Brody, but Me too. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now about Aaron Herrera and should we even try to keep him? He's on a like a pretty healthy salary for a for a right back in this league, and I get that. Uh, but he he does defend. You can say a lot of things about Aaron Herrera. He's not a passive defender like this. Like, yeah. in fact, a lot of times he's almost too aggressive and cut and and stat takes a stab at the ball and gets beat sometimes. Sometimes, but yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't let crosses like this happen this yeah, easily. He's aware is, of that danger. Yeah, and like that Andrew a, Brody, like we he he's a good attacking wing back. I think uh, he's a better attacking. He's a, I think he's better than Aaron Herrera in the attack. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, uh, but Michael Chang is not a great defensive winger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and you need some sort of balance there. And we don't have a winger that would naturally be good at that, except maybe Andrew Brody, but that's another <laughs> story. Yeah, that's that's the answer, I think. Is like, and, and it's not like we could have played Herrera in this game. Right. Aaron Herrera's hurt for this it. one. But this is like one of those situations where it's like, 
I don't know, is Aaron the Aaron Herrera versus Aaron uh, Andrew Brody's situation? Is it really a versus, or it's like, are we just playing Andrew Brody out of position, maybe? Yeah. Uh, and maybe he's just a winger, and we could use him there instead. Anyway, so the rest of this half was kind of nonsense. Uh, we nothing. We didn't really create anything that I remember. Nothing meaningful. Meaningful. Um, then the a really bad moment happens in the 52nd minute where Savarino plays Rubio Rubin, who's making a really good run. Rubio Rubin making good runs, uh, in behind the defense, almost nearly gets it, misses the ball slightly, and then decides to slide in from a few yards out and just completely take out their keeper. Completely boneheaded decision. There was no question about this being a yellow card and, uh, Ruby Urbean gets what I think was the fastest second yellow card in MLS playoffs history. Yeah. And, and say what you will about that first yellow card. It's not like Ruby Urbean didn't know he was on a yellow card right. here. So no, you can call the first one soft, but he knows he's, he's got one. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was making excuses on the day and being like, he's not a guy that usually gets yellow cards. And yeah. so he doesn't know how to play with the yellow card. I mean, that's, so like, that's probably fair, but it's probably fair, but like that doesn't excuse it, doesn't justify it, doesn't be like, yeah. oh, well, it's okay then because yeah, don't, don't be a dummy. Yeah. Really bad decision in so, the moment. So the time between our second goal in this moment, uh, I think is worth pointing out again. Um, so I've got it here. Sorry. Why Real did quick, he slide? Why little, did he slide? Uh, we should point out that they brought on uh, three players um, at the at half. Halftime. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they took like, out yeah adjustments. They put in uh, they put in Jite, who we know from, of course, scoring a hat trick on us last time we played. He came in for a rooty, and he looked kind of okay, but not. He great. didn't look great. I was like, we really well, give up. He also didn't. He came on for a rooty. A rooty. Yeah, Rudy's not. It was like a non-factor in this either. game. Uh, then they put in, uh, at the same time, per, uh, Daniel Pereira came in for Valencia, which a lot of people were confused about why uh, Pereira didn't start to begin with. Um, the, he's the better player. And then Rigoni came in for Finley, which Rigoni's a DP, isn't he not? Is he? Rigoni is a DP. He was a midseason acquisition. He's um, not, I don't, he's not great. I think he's got zero goals and zero assists in like a penalty. 700 minutes or something like that. Yeah, he does have a penalty. Yeah. He, they don't count his goals, but uh, yeah, I don't, I, wasn't impressed by him no. but whatever he did uh, have a couple chances late in the game but like we're not talking about that so so rubio were being incredibly stupid error changes the game again for the worse um and then yeah. in the 61st minute sorry matt i was gonna say i think what we saw followed a trend that we were already seeing it yeah. amplified it yep um to the tune of 51 crosses from the time of Rubio Rubin's sending off for Austin, which wow. is ridiculous. Um, and we'll get there. I know we'll get there. Yeah. So in the, you know, we, we take him out. We, uh, Rubio Rubin leaves in the 52nd. That's when he gets his red card. 61st minute. We take out Sergio Cordova and we put in Jasper Loffelsund. We take out Michael Ching and we put in Nick Beasler. So at this stage, I... Nick appeared to kind of move into like a center back like role. He did. That yeah. Yeah, he did. Okay. He so we're now the playing with a five, three, one. Yeah. yeah. Because Cordova's off, but Saverino is still. Saverino moves to the striker position. And then yeah. we now have Lafelsund, Ruiz, 
and Ojeda in the middle. I think it was like a five three one. Yeah, that for sounds a, about a minute. Right. For, for a, a minute. minute. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, more of the same. It was literally just trying to weather the storm for as long as we could. We were even with, you know, Savarino in there, we weren't doing much. And then I think to what I can describe as my own surprise and probably many other people's surprise in the 73rd minute, we made two more subs and we took out Oviedo for Tate Schmidt. First time we've seen him in quite some time. Um, and then Bodie Davis came in for, or Bodie Hidalgo, sorry, came in for Jefferson Savarino. So we're now playing with Bodie as a winger. I think we're playing a 5-4 at this point. We took off our striker. We're now playing. We just added Bodie as a winger instead. So we're playing yeah. a 5-4-0 formation. I mean, he's even like not a, a an out-and-out winger. He's almost a wing back in this setup, right? So we have a fullback and a wing and like an overlapping wing back. I mean, yeah. Does it matter? No, I no. Mean, we're just playing. It's like he's ostensibly a midfielder. He's not an attacking player. Yeah, not not attacking. At best a midfielder, right? Yeah. But I think yeah. his role was primarily to provide extra width so, so that players could <laughs> compress even further. This is a good time to point out. Well, okay. And then I will also mention later in the 84th minute, Scott Caldwell comes in for Pablo Ruiz. So there's all of our subs. That's five subs. So Ruiz comes off the field and Ruiz is as far as attacking players go, probably the most attacking player on the field at that time. I would uh, say only, but yeah, I mean, other than Bodie Hidalgo and I, I mean the attempt to play Jasper Loffelson in a more attacking role. Right. That, that's what I'm saying. Jasper, like kind of, but I wouldn't trust Jasper to, to be, I wouldn't call him an offensive player. So I, I wouldn't mention, call Bodie and really Tate maybe is an offensive player, but like, yeah, as far as like established offensive minded players, Pablo, Pablo was like the only one left. Yeah. Tate Schmidt was, a, is a defender who scored a couple goals earlier in the season. Cause he was in a very advanced positions as we were playing with attacking fullbacks. Yeah. Um, and we haven't, we've seen him almost not at all this season since, or since then. Um, which is fascinating to me that he got this time. But and I, I will also mention on the bench at on, on the bench on for this game, aside yeah. from the guys that were got subbed in that I mentioned, we have Anderson who got left off. Huh? Let's talk about the guys that got left oh, on yeah. the bench. Anderson Julio, Danny Musovsky, Justin Miram, and Thomas Gomez. And I know there were I, I, uh, we'll talk about Anderson Julio in a sec, but Diego Luna was not listed on he's not in the 18 and he was not listed on the injury report. Uh, we got a tweet saying that he picked up an ankle knock at some point, but how was do we, that tweet I mean, from somebody at the club or was that somebody Spano mentioned that? So okay. like, I'm wondering connected to the club. Sure. I'm wondering why that wasn't on the injury report. I'm wondering why, like that just wasn't mentioned at all. I mean, Maybe it wasn't a podcast, play regardless, right? Like, didn't I they mean, say that, we wouldn't have got into this game. Yeah, sure. Didn't they say that it happened on Friday? The, I don't know. The knock that he picked up. Maybe I don't, I didn't hear, I didn't see a date a very, on it. Friday is a very convenient day for players to pick up knocks in training because the r- report comes out on Thursday and they're under no obligation to update it sure. for Friday injuries. You know what I'm just yeah. like so perplexed by is like when I follow league, when I follow, I, I follow teams in other leagues. I like soccer a lot and there are teams that I follow that play in leagues that are not in, in MLS. I don't know what other teams in MLS do in this situation. Probably the same nonsense, but like there when when something like this happens there are reports <laughs> yeah. by like the club mentions it the coach mentions it 
the media outlets that are close to the club mention it. They say this player, oh, is going to miss today yeah. <laughs> or is going to miss tomorrow. Yeah, or and picked up a knock. It's so it's, insane that we just can't. We don't know this. So like, that's frustrating. And then it turns out that Anderson Julio was sick and it had a twenty minute really? limit, and he wasn't listed on the injury report as being questionable, which we that had, kind of stuff is normally. Yeah, we had this. I remember very specifically going on a rant about this much earlier in the season. Yeah. And yeah, it's just simply like the league rules allow them to be this obtuse about stuff and and just simply not report it because the league only mandates like very little stuff. And part of yeah. it is that you have to report it on Thursday and you don't have to update it for yeah. under any conditions. Two, and like two full days before the game, I think is the, it's the very stupid. Yeah. Um, and like the reason why you see it in a lot of other like European leagues are very good about it is betting it's gambling yeah, yeah. It, it affects people's bets and people want to know that stuff and like that's part of the re- that's not the only reason but that's part of the reason why the rules are much stricter about it in a lot of those european leagues yeah. because there's a lot of money riding on these games and they're sponsoring often. teams right and like, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's huge money for like, i mean obviously they're dealing with just a lot more money in just player value yeah for sure so it, it's it's insane that MLS is this far behind the eight ball and it's not like the U S in general is far behind Europe, like NBA reporting injury stuff, MLB, like all of that's every other league in, in this country is way better at reporting injuries because there's rules about it. Yeah. MLS just refuses to enforce rules. So anyway, injury rant over moving back into talking about this game. Yeah. So, I mean, at multi throughout these subs, it's like, okay, now we're playing a, a five, four formation, five, four, zero formation. Uh, we had clear, very, we so very clearly had no outlet at all to try to like relieve some of this pressure. At one point, Andrew Brody got forward, but that was like about it. And he had a shot that was well wide. He didn't have any other options. Cause like the, the only player minute. Yeah, the only oh yeah, so I, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but like there were just that was the only moment I can think of where we actually got to the other end of the field in like a somewhat dangerous position, and so yeah, after that that red card, it was basically just like riding the struggle bus for quite some time, and then uh, there's the um, six minutes of stoppage time, which are given. And I, I, I did want to mention more about Anderson Julio. So like I, I had a lot of problems with like, why do we have Anderson Julio on the bench if we're not going to like use him for situations like this? Because I think when Anderson Julio has thrived a lot of times as a substitute is when the, uh, the team we're playing against is heavily pressing and there's space in behind. I know like going down a man obviously is a big disadvantage, but I didn't feel like it was an insurmountable issue that that we couldn't have, you know, yeah, we this retreated when that happened. We we took a, a wholly defensive stance with yeah. no intention for of breaking out of that for forty minutes of or thirty minutes of regulation. So they get knowing, a penalty. Yeah, thirty minutes of regulation, knowing full well if they score again, you got another thirty minutes. Yeah, we made play. subs knowing that like we're out of subs now, and we still likely we we could potentially have extra time which i didn't think was like a you know obviously too uh crazy of a thing to to consider seeing as they were just pouring it on matt mentioned how many crosses they had so yeah five million uh, yeah so i mean <laughs> one of the crosses from like a i mean a diagonal cross i guess uh comes in into the Ooh. box and it hits uh Scott her Caldwell's, last, her last sub of the game with three yeah. minutes to go in regulation that was yeah. six minutes six minutes plus stoppage yeah. of course 
And our last sub is Scott Caldwell. All right. Yeah. Take it, and take then in the, in the box, uh, the cross comes in. He is in a physical aerial battle with a player and he jumps up kind of with his arm a little bit. It looks like it hits him in the elbow. And then. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. Wait, that, that was Beezer on the challenge. Yeah, that's the Nick second Beezer, one is who Caldwell. may have also committed a handball offense. Yeah, that was the one I th- initially thought they called handball because it hits his elbow. And yeah. I forgot they called it on the second one. So Scott Caldwell is chasing off the, after the deflected ball. And I don't know. He has his elbow tucked in and it hits him kind of in the elbow, too. And then they call a penalty, which he turned his back to the ball. I don't I, I don't know, man. That seemed like a harsh call, too. There was already six minutes of stoppage for some reason. And they score this in the 93rd, I think, or 94th. Yeah, I didn't feel as hard that it was as harsh uh, watching at home with commentary. Yeah, maybe um, I didn't. It was uh, tough to see the replay. Yeah, I remember thinking that it was complete garbage, um, like just the worst call. Uh, but that I feel like was really like RSL glasses speaking. I'm yeah. pulling it up now so I can actually double check it. I'm also pulling it up now. And I'm Listen, guessing. Our, I mean, I I didn't, you can't get a good angle. I don't see a good angle on on the on the highlights. Maybe I can find the actual game and I'll, I'll go to it there. It just. I don't know, man. He's like a foot in front of the ball. I don't know like what else he's really supposed to do there, uh, which sucks. <laughs> well, it, that's what I'm thinking is it's like the defenders got to play with their arms behind their back kind of thing. I mean, if he plays behind his back, that's like also where the ball is probably going to hit him. So um, I don't know. Like, let me. I got to find this again. So I, I do think maybe that Nick, that Nick Beasler one combined with the. That one's more of the handball, if you ask yeah. me. And I'm, I suppose it's possible that that's the one that actually ended up called. Yeah, it wasn't. Again, we're in beer bar, so we didn't have like good audio, but it wasn't very clear to us who the foul was actually called on yeah commentary did have it as scott caldwell but yeah easily does go up like hooked his arm over wins um wins the ball with his arm yeah his arm is is in a far more unnatural position than scott caldwell who i thought did a decent job at turning away from the ball moving his arm in front of his body i thought at least enough nick beasler gets hit right in the elbow with the ball as he's jumping over someone so yeah well, hold on, because there's a yellow card issued on the play, and you got to assume that's for... Yeah, Scott Caldwell got the yellow cards. you got to assume that he was the second guy that got oh, hit did with it, the ball, it, right? It may have hit... I'm looking at the... I didn't see this replay. It may have hit Scott Caldwell's left hand. That None of these replays oh, are very and clear. that one's further away, right? Yeah, that one's further away from the ball. Okay. That actually might have been the one that they call, because I you can't see it from the angles that they show. And again, we need VAR, like, actually shown on TV. Literally... Okay, so the first one hits Nick Beasler in the side of the head, and then it's Caldwell that runs okay. out, and he kind of turns away from the shot, and it looks like it hits him in the arm as he's turning away from it. These angles are so bad. It looks like, okay, so yeah, I think it doesn't hit Nick Beasler in the elbow like it looks like it did. They really only give you two angles on the broadcast. That is so ridiculous. You really can't see that at all. Super yeah. far away, yeah. Anyway, so so here's what I take away from that. Yeah. You give a team 24 shots. Yeah. One of them might end up with a handball. Like yeah, just statistically. Got, yeah. It's just the kind of. Um, you can't even take a screenshot of YouTube TV. I hate this so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was uh, very much like this is my problem with it. Like we I got into it with a few people on Twitter after the game and 
it made it seem like I was saying that Rubin was blameless. And I want to make it clear that I don't think Rubin is blameless. Obviously, big dumb decision to do that and get a red card and put your team in that position. But we definitely, from when we made those subs in the 60th minute, that was the beginning of RSL trying to play Ben don't break defense. And then with the rest of the subs in the 73rd and the 84th, we were just going defensive. We were straight up trying to not give up a goal. And that's a really bad way to play soccer. It's a really bad way to play playoff soccer. It's if you're playing, if you're up to one in the regular season and you do that, it's kind of justifiable, especially if you're on the road. I can see that argument because you're just trying to play for a point. If you give up a goal, you're still giving up one or you're, dropping points but you're still getting a point on the road and like fair enough but this is playoff soccer and your game so far has been successful at keeping them from scoring because you're able to maintain possession because you're also creating scoring chances yeah and because you're playing your version of soccer which is generally pretty good at defense and now you're suddenly going zero offense whatsoever almost no possession and you're just simply conceding the fact that they're going to have a hundred opportunities to score a goal. And if you're going to give a team a hundred opportunities to score a goal against a team that generally throughout the whole season has been pretty good at scoring goals, like they're going to get a goal. And the fact that they got a goal on kind of a goofy penalty yeah, in the very, in like the third minute of six minutes of stoppage time, like doesn't negate the fact that that's really bad game management because now you gave up the gold you didn't want to give up and now you have to play 30 minutes of extra time doing the exact same thing only now with more tired players and also if you don't allow a goal during that 30 minutes you're not scoring a goal in extra time with those players on the field like it's not going to happen you know that's not going to happen so you're not going to win it in extra time now you have to take penalties with these players <laughs> yes and the only yes. guy there's two guys on the field that have ever taken penalties before and it's justin glad and marcelo silva and i mean maybe there's a few others that i'm not remembering I mean, maybe but maybe like, schmidt took some in college or yeah like you're know. not going in with your guys that are penalty takers at all yeah like once or, you took Paul like Ruiz off the field at a goal yeah exactly yeah. once you took paula ruiz off the field the only guy i mean nick beasler may have taken penalties in the past maybe no, i no. feel like he probably took one last year but yeah it's glad it's silva and that's it everybody else is the first timer at the penalty take at the penalty spot and it's it, you need to plan for that you need to plan for that in the playoffs you I can't know. take off all of your offensive players completely concede all possession and all attacking opportunities to the other team and then say oh we got hard done by the ref especially against a team that isn't like really great defensively like there were you'd have to think i mean brody got you know he he had a chance um you'd have to think that like he had a chance out of like the thin air like it was exactly but that's the type of thing that can happen winning a ball that he normally wouldn't win and playing a ball forward that like you don't expect jasper to like he's don't get me wrong he can pass the ball but like Mm -hmm. you're not a you're not expecting that and getting one chance out of the last like 45 yeah. minutes of the game. It's not good. was extremely predictable with the players yeah. you had on the field. You knew that was going to happen. And this is where we bring up the Anderson Julio thing because it would have been very easy to think we can put Anderson Julio on and just make him chase balls for 
the last 30 minutes of the regular time or any, even into extra time. Like you have to keep somebody up there to keep Austin honest. You have to keep yeah. some kind of attacking presence on the field to keep Austin honest and to keep some form of maybe hopefully we can maintain some level of yes. possession. Or at least some keeps their defensive danger. line honest. No one else on this roster in that or that that was on the field can do that like you have to be able to like have some version of an attacking threat even if it's route one soccer every single time that's something it's better to have that because then when you're just clearing the ball and launching it which you know that's what we do if you're just clearing it from a dangerous defensive position you have somebody up there that can chase and yes. run after it and harass people. That, makes, like, it, that makes a that big makes difference. That makes a big difference. Yeah. I mean, we like that, that and, and like having that type of I, Liverpool plays Manchester City over the weekend. How does the, the Liverpool wins 1 0? Who got the assist on the goal? Their goalkeeper, Allison, because he just booted the ball upfield to, uh, to uh, Mohamed Salah, who had a one on one versus Joao Cancelo, beat him and then scored. Like, We've seen Anderson Julio score on, on route one goals, and if that's clearly going to be the strategy here. Like it, it had to be had to be him. But we later found out that he was ill and had a twenty minute cap on this game, which it was just a cold. Uh, it was a cold. Pablo Mastroeni said uh, it was a cold, or it's a cold. A player has a cold. It's not anything more than that. Okay, so not, apparently not that limits. Julio to 20 minutes. Yeah. I've Which never is, seen a cold. Le- I mean, like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but like, that, that's nonsense. The team, <laughs> the team can put out whatever they want and say that like he had a cold. So he, we had a minute limit for him, but like, it's the playoffs, my guy. Yeah, I know. Like this is, this is the t- like, if you want to do 20 minute limit again in the regular this season, is what you say you've been playing, playing, for. playing for a draw, like yeah. fine. I get that. You got to protect him for the rest of the season. But if this game is over, you're not playing soccer for, Two and a half, three months. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was a really bad cold. Maybe, but sure, it was but a really cold. bad cold. Anderson, who I still there? want that guy on the <laughs> yeah. field. Yeah, and if he if he can't go, put Diego Luna on. I don't care. Who's also injured for this game? But put Justin Miram. Is on. he really? No, he just didn't make the eighteen, and they wanted a reason for it. That's really? my I conspiracy mean, theory on that. Ooh, I don't know if that's true spicy. at all. I mean, they could, that's, they that's how I feel with this team. Well, that's Any, the thing. It's anytime like, this team has a player that gets injured on Friday, that's what I have to believe because, like, yeah, I don't believe it. You why, would have reported it. You should have told us that. Why did we sign Danny Musovsky? Um, so I have my theory on this. I am so like, you're telling me that we needed f- five central midfielders in this game instead of a single this attacker. Is, this is the other. Point that I was going to make. Moose is a good point, but also Justin Miram was like Justin Miram. Justin Miram was really good as a sub. He played ninety minutes every game for like forty-five games, which is longer than the season. But like, it felt like that. It like could have has his guy on the form guide has the minute tracker. Just go look at Justin Miram's whole. How does Justin Miram not get minutes in this game? Justin Miram has been Pablo's like guy. Yes, guy. guy. All season long, and the, the Austin game happened. If you look at his minutes, yeah. he came in as an as a sub in that game. And that's who he yelled at, who is yelling about after that game, right? One hundred percent. Like there, okay, there's so not maybe a better that, option. Still, that's again another criticism that I have of Pablo. Pablo's like, oh, he had a poor performance in Austin, so clearly he can't ever play in Austin. Like, 
come on, dude. That's garbage thinking. Put the guy in that's the most experienced guy on the field, the smartest guy on the field, potentially, that knows what needs to be done in the moment. Put that guy on the field. Yeah. Or, I'm, or literally any I mean, other he, guy. He tweeted after the game. He said, loss of words. He tweeted, loss of words. He also retweeted a Benzema quote that says age is just a number. And that's not something I think that anyone should be saying almost ever, but I uh, will <laughs> say that. I mean, some very how insane. I mean, that would make me insane as Justin Miram, who I, I yeah. mean, I've been critical of at times this season because I, I mean, I think he was playing too many minutes, but I th- like, he played really well against Portland when he came in as a sub. And I like, I think that he has a lot to offer and, and, you know, maybe this isn't the right game for him, but it's like, why the, do we like Danny is, like we, we put Jasper Leffelsen in and we or uh, as Taylor Twelman called him Lufel's end, which I loved like the, yeah, that was the over the O doesn't make an ooh sound. No, but it's you, a lot closer. It's a lot closer to an ooh sound than Awfulson. Lufelsen. I mean, so like good Lufelsen. on him for, for trying. And, and then like, like Leffelsen. Yeah. Then he still. Know, turns the S into a Z like and, and not, it doesn't happen in that anyway. I, I've taken like four you know duolingo like levels of german there we go and all i know is how to pronounce gasper leffelsen and it's yeah, in the pro- anyway okay that's neither here nor there and <laughs> like genuinely we, we not important definitely a lot about how to pronounce his name um but if you look at players who had touches in the attacking half uh after you know from the 60th minute forward Jasper's one of the few and he's getting touches in in winger like positions and he's losing the ball uh, and that's kind of what you expect when you don't he's, have support, and I get that. He's losing uh, the ball because he doesn't have anybody to pass it to. Yeah, it's but you know everybody's who's a pretty good dribbler, Justin, Justin Miram. And like, yeah. I am not the biggest Justin Miram fan. I think we overused him. I don't think yeah. he is like. I don't think he's a game changing player. But this was a situation that that screamed for him. Yeah, yeah. And like said, we're putting need, Scott Caldwell in in the 86th minute. Nick Beasler, like, do we really need a six back or whatever we were playing at the end there? Like, I, yeah. you can you can't just keep cramming people in the back and thinking that it's going to lead to good outcomes or it's going to actually be pro- like our t- our our defensive line and our midfield when they're in the game prevent a lot of goals from happening. Like, we lost a striker in this game. We didn't lose one of our central defenders. We had our full defense our preferred defense, our preferred midfield intact. And we didn't trust what has been working for this team enough to just roll out a 4-4-1 and just keep doing what we initially started this game doing and playing the game that we wanted to play. We were so reactive. We completely overreacted to... we, We compounded Rubio's really stupid mistake in what... I mean... So, like, here's the... Yeah. Like... If Rubio hadn't been sent off, like, would we have continued making these types of subs? I no, potentially. I, I think I we would have. Like, I I don't see any alternative so. here. I, I think I think there's a good chance, Pablo. I mean, we we did have have issues with parking the bus at too early at other times this season that I know has been pointed out. But like, I I don't I don't foresee a war. Like, I, I think it's pretty plausible that. We still see Scott Caldwell get subbed in, or whoever else. We add yeah. a fifth defender. I don't think that means it works worse. I think it, it would probably work better with Rubio being on the field. Or you know, yeah, I mean, it's not like we were going to put in another forward, though. We, yeah. we we were in a retreating mode before that red card. Sure, and the pattern continued and and amplified. And that's where I uh, I don't know. I don't. 
believe well, we, we had that options. Pablo, I, I'm pretty like critical of Pablo all the time, but I can't believe in my heart of hearts that Pablo would have made those subs at the 60th minute if it wasn't for oh, the red that, card. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think the, the I time see, it was, it was earlier. Like, yeah. In the last 10 minutes of the game being like, okay, good boys, bat down the hatches. Yeah. yeah. But I still, I think oh, Rubio Rubin still was not long for the game at yeah. that point. He would have probably come off of the 60th minute anyway. And I got to believe that he would have put on like a Justin Miram or like an Anderson Julio in his place. Yeah. So I'm pulling up. Um, I got to believe that because if I have to believe <laughs> that he would have taken off Rubin at the 60th minute for Bodie Hidalgo or something like. Yeah, I'm, I'm or pulling Nick up. Beasler, like that's would drive me up the wall. All right, I've 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 got our pressing numbers up uh, because like that's the thing that would be most impacted, right? <sighs> yeah. Um, the, by the I lack think... of another forward. And yep. uh, yeah. defensive I was actions. looking at possession numbers and they're also Ooh. incredibly um, <laughs> disheartening. So we, we ended with uh, 110 press attempts, 22 successful uh, Austin had 111 press attempts, 27 successful. Very similar numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Like we, we had, played no pressing game. Can, we, can you look at the pressing like by the minute? No, unfortunately. Okay, because I can do that with possession, and it's yeah. kind of a. I mean, like we know what the story is, but just to put yeah. numbers to it. For the first 52 minutes of the game, uh, it was 60 40 in Austin's favor. Which uh, I mean, kind of tracks. Yeah. Can but you then, can you uh, take out the first fifteen minutes out of curiosity? Just go from fifteen minute to fifty two. Yeah. Minute fifteen to fifty two. That's slightly more, but not. It's sixty three to thirty. Okay. 30, yeah. Sixty four to thirty six. So two thirds so possession generally. Slightly more, but still kind of in line. But if we go from the fifty second minute just to the end of regulation. It goes to 73% for Austin. And then if we go in extra time, hold on, let me get there. Extra time, it is 81% for the duration of extra time. Yeah. And 81% to Austin. Like that's, that's what we're doing. I know Pablo is not a possession guy and I get that. I don't, I don't think that was like, I don't know if I look at this game. So one, one stat that did jump out to me, I'm trying to be generous to Pablo or charitable, at least to Pablo here. Uh, Pablo Ruiz's touches from like the 60th minute forward were the lowest on the team, which is, I mean, that's a problem. Yeah. And, and that's that's not not just him, right? Like that, that's the whole confluence of, of factors that lead to one player, not having any touches often it's forwards, right? Yeah, and you but can't if, just blame if, a forward for for a lack of touches. It's also the buildup around right. it. But what is a central midfielder? It's like, indicative a of a style and type of play. And yeah. this team largely has been successful when Paulo Ruiz is more involved. Yeah. If he's not involved offensively, he's not I a mean, liability, the, the rea- but like it's not good. The reality is we we made no offensive attempt from the fifty second minute forward. We had we a couple no- shots. Uh, that happened because of individual action, not collective we made no action. Possessive attempt. Yeah, I mean, we did, but we didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And again, I know Pablo is not a stats guy, but like, you can't look at a game and be like, "Oh, we had twenty percent possession through all of extra time. We're succeeding." 
Yeah. And uh, I saw people but again, like you can kinda, see that stat and look at extra time and say, well, we didn't concede a goal. And yeah. like, and that, that yeah, was his right, aim, right? Like, I don't think he had an option have, in extra time because he'd used all his options. Yeah, we did that. We set ourselves into a, stupid. we put ourselves in a situation where we didn't have that option where we couldn't put in Danny for 30 minutes or even Julio for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. We, we could have reserved that substitution. You could have avoided the whole extra time thing altogether <laughs> if we had just attempted to I think same possession for the last 30 minutes of the game. But like, I mean, like Matt said, like not to do too like a complete counterfactual, but it's like you just put yourself in a better position for extra time to not have to do 30 more minutes of the same thing. If you just like, like say we make us, we save a sub, we still give up that, that penalty. Well, now we have a way to like actually change the game in our, to try to get in our favor because I don't think penalties, penalties generally don't favor the away team. And in most cases, and uh, as we saw, we took some of the worst penalties that this team has probably ever taken in a game. So yeah, again, they super don't favor the team that doesn't have any experience taking penalties. Yeah, or the team, the away team, or no experience. Players, right? Yeah, yeah, no one who's used to shooting a ball at a goal other than with their head. It's like, yeah, it, it was it was so brutal. And I saw people talking about like, oh, this felt like a microcosm of the season. And I was like, yeah. And then I started thinking about, it, I was like, man, started out really strong, kind of against all odds. <laughs> Played, I think, above our uh, like you know, the the whole the sum was greater than the the total of, the, of its parts, and then we just completely fell apart through the second half, and then uh, weren't able to make the necessary adjustments to really seal the deal. And so, uh, yeah, not not great, not and great. A lot of our problems throughout the game and throughout the season were problems of our own making. It like, really felt like that, and I. I I don't know if we want to, I know we want to have like a season recap like episode, but like, I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about this season and how people are talking about this season. Yeah. Let's talk about there, it. There are a lot of really good points about like, you know, obviously we didn't have Demir Krylock this whole season. Essentially we uh, missed Bobby Wood kind of unexpectedly for the vast majority mm. of the season as well. Mm. Uh, well, unexpected <laughs> in some senses. Mm. Um Unplanned, Not, certainly. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be a little bit of a. Jerk you can be about cynical that. about just, that. That's fine. Just FYI. Um, and and like, I, there's. I think it's. It, it can be said that this team, especially like at the beginning of this, well, specifically at the beginning of the season, the first half of the season, uh, was performing better than I expected. But based on this yes. roster, I think it's. I think it's really fair to say that this roster this year is pretty definitively better or excuse me, definitively worse than the roster we had last year. We added some players. We lost really important players, uh, both to other teams and to, and to injury. And I was very pleased with what I was seeing at the first, you know, portion of the season. We all felt like it wasn't really sustainable. And I feel like there are a lot of variables as to why I think ownership has not, proven that they are willing to spend money on players. And I think that's incredibly clear so far. And I don't know how anyone can dispute that. I know we want it. We want to give time for them to settle, but uh, you know, there've been people here. We've had the, our head coach has been the, in the organization for some time. Now, Elliot fall has been here a long time. Rob Zarcos has been here a long time. Um, supposedly ownership's just the checkbook and the soccer decisions are supposed to be made by the soccer people. And we have not made any, uh, really meaningful signings aside from Saverino, who just wanted to come back. So um, that's a concern. Uh, it does, as we talked about earlier in, in other episodes, it does feel like there's a really big disconnect between 
the front office and uh, Pablo. Uh, I think D- Danny Musovsky not getting not like sniffing the field in this one, I think is good evidence of that. Cause like, why do we even have him? If the reason we didn't play Julio is because he was sick. And the reason we would play Luna is cause he's hurt. We have healthy Danny Musovsky. Who's just sitting on the bench uh, for some reason. And we just have opted completely not to play him. And then I think that it's, I think Pablo really messed up with the second half of the regular season in which uh, he tinkered so much. We kind of just forgot how to play soccer and um, we were doing bad soccer for so many games in a row. It was really difficult. And so all, the vast majority of which, if not all of them, definitely all of them, at least one of us was in attendance for, but the majority of those games, almost all of them, all of us were in attendance for, and it was miserable soccer to watch. And we still went there every game. So uh, that's a thing. And then we just have a bad roster. And then we had players just underperforming. And so it's yeah. like all of those things I think are true. Uh, this team has a lot to figure out in this offseason. Ownership hat needs to be able to prove itself. Mm-hmm. I think Elliot and Pablo, if we're going to stick with Pablo, they need to figure out to get how they're going to get on the same page. We need to stop signing players we're not planning on playing. Diego Luna uh, is wants to be in Europe at some point next season. And he can't even he can barely get the field. Um, and then we he just may decided, be a starting MLS player in a year, year or two says is what Pablo, Pablo Mastroini says. And that's just, that's just complete nonsense. We, we, we're a team who just played, who just played Scott Caldwell and Nick Beasler in a, in a knockout playoff game at Austin. And you're telling me like Diego Luna can't, can't see the field. It's just nonsense. Like, um, and I mean, like, I, again, I think Jasper's a really great player. Do I think. I think it would be well more worth our time to be investing time and energy into developing Diego Luna just due to his age versus someone like Jasper Lovelson. I'm not saying they play the same position, but it's crazy how Jasper Lovelson just gets this incredible leash all season and Diego Luna can barely get the field one after we sign him. It's just like, why do we do the things we do if we're not going to play these players? It just doesn't make any well, sense. So it's like Jasper, they need to get on the same page too. Jasper went to college. Oh, and grew and matured during those years. So he got all of his um, bugs worked out at college. Um, no. Diego Luna didn't go to college. So how could he possibly be expected to be a professional player without, um, you know, sitting on the bench for three years? <sighs> this is, we're not going to have this whole conversation right now, but this is like at the core of what I, truly hate about Pablo is that he like has no concept of how to develop players. So he doesn't want to develop players because his whole thing is we need to win, get the game today. And the way that we're going to win the game today is by playing the players that are the best player or whatever, but we're not at all going to give anybody a chance. We're not going to at all account for the possibility of having a weak link on the field. That's going to help us win games two years from now or make money two years from now. We can't account for that because we need to win the game today. And if you're not ready to win the game today, then you're not going to see the field, which is just a really, really, really crappy way to be a head coach of a professional sports organization that signs 14 year old kids in the hope of like potentially turning these players into professionals one day or into a profit one day or something. But he, if he had the option of playing Jude Wellings at any point in the season, he would absolutely not do it. I mean, he had the option and, you know, gave Hazi or Osco like th- three chances or whatever. And then he 
gone for the rest of the year because of a, a bad game that was on everyone. It's it's crazy that like I mean yeah, Hazi's eighteen. It's not like he's one of these fourteen year olds. It's like like what was, is the point? Like and when we talk about getting everyone on the same page, are we developing? Like why are we signing these young players if we're not going to like actually develop them? Like is that part of the strategy? And I think to your point. Doesn't feel like it's part part of Pablo's strategy since he, I think he's absolutely in win now mode because I don't think he has a long term strategy and I don't know if I'm not convinced Elliot does other than just signing the 14 year olds. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't know. I just I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that more in that in the season pod. But yeah, Which yeah, we're, this whole, we're gonna do a fun thing for that. Uh, so get we're ready. gonna do a couple fun things for the off season. I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, just this ayahuasca. Whole, just kidding. <laughs> This whole game was a microcosm of the season. We went over that, and it's just like it's incredibly frustrating to see all of the to, to experience all of the emotions of the whole season in the same way that we experienced the season in just a two-hour span. Game. It was crazy, two or three-hour span. Like there were extremely high highs during that game and extremely low lows. It was just we ran the gamut of emotions yeah, and to end the way that we did and, and at the end of the day like we said we talked at the beginning of the season about what the potential of this team was as it's constructed with the coach and roster that we have and i think at the beginning of the season we all kind of agreed that it was bottom of the playoffs bottom of the western conference in the playoffs was like kind of our ceiling like fifth place i think was the ceiling and it was very realistic that we wouldn't have made the playoffs. And it was incredibly realistic that if we made the playoffs, we'd lose in the first round. And lo and behold, it's exactly what happened. And it's just, if we have to deal with another season of this, (laughs) of this being like the expect of like the team being like, Oh no, it's a championship roster. And it clearly isn't. And we just do this all season again. Like that's the president of the club saying that, you know, like six weeks before the end of the season, that he thought we had a roster that could compete for a championship, uh, which is technically true because we made it in the playoffs. That's competing. Uh, and every, every game is, a, is, a, is competing. For yeah. And, and that we could, uh, that the roster and coach were good enough to have yeah. a home playoff game and host MLS cup. That's yeah. what I don't like. It's, not, it's just, it's just not true. And I'm not yeah, going to sit and stand for it for another season like that. It's so annoying that to constantly have so to pick between like, are they just being dishonest or do they actually really believe this? Which I don't, and I don't know which one is worse. I, I'm pretty sure if they actually believe it, that's worse. It, I'd rather John Kimball be lying when he says that than him genuinely believing that I we have a, a roster. I have to believe that John Kimball is lying. Yeah. John Kimball is a, trying to sell tickets to a game. Yeah. And if he's just trying to sell tickets to a game, I get it. But like, also don't be, Putting John Kimball on the radio looking for like honest analysis. Just say, hey, we're going to have a commercial with the president of RSL for the next 30 minutes. And like, that's fine. But it's crazy. I mean, it's a normal soccer president, GM, et cetera, thing to say that we're saying we're trying to constantly improve this this roster. Like, that's not an insane thing to say. It's completely normal for (laughs) an organization to come out and be like, hey, guys, we're not there yet. Like, they'll phrase it a lot better than that. Yeah. Good for you, but it, it's it's totally normal for a team to come out and say this is not what we want, and, and to be honest about where they are at in roster construction and the 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 performances over the course of the season, 
it's incredibly normal for a coach to say those things, for players to say those things, and for front office members yeah. to say those things. And the only player, the only people that we had saying those things this year were some players sometimes. Yeah. And so Aaron Herrera, it, notably. Aaron Herrera, Aaron Herrera famously, is the one that's yeah. at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. It, yeah. And Justin Miram occasionally too <laughs> also called out the team for having really bad performances. And it not to have this whole conversation again, but it's a completely normal for fans of the team to also be holding them to a higher standard than good enough. Like, yeah. cause it's, yeah. it's not. And that's the summary of the whole season is like, we all saw this coming and it, there was definitely a lot of fun had on the way, but this game was the, the result of this game was in completely predictable. So, so I do want to talk about one thing about this game that I would not have predicted at the beginning of the season. Okay. Uh, and I think it's, I, I should probably eat a little crow here. Not a lot. I don't think crow seems very tasty, but. Well, uh, sometimes and that's you us scoring a really good goal and then a pretty yeah. good penalty. Uh, and the back half of his season has been very good. Yes. Uh, and, and we gave him mm. a lot of stick early he a, on. He had some rough, but, he had a rough Portland game, I think. Yeah. And, and rough games happen to strikers, right? And I yes. get that. Yeah. Um, but in from week seventeen forward, he scored one, two, three, four, okay, so five. The last, the last seventeen games. So last seventeen. Okay, so half the season. So so he had. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he had six goals, uh, eight okay. goals if you include the the you know playoff goals, and I you know you count those, but you don't count them in like season stats. But 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 he had a good run, uh, and I thought he would not get there. And uh, credit to to Cordova and I guess the coaching staff for getting him into a position where he was a a strong goal scorer. Uh, now not a great goal scorer, uh, but uh, scoring a goal every other game is generally pretty good for MLS. And it's, if he if that pattern were to continue, like that's a great spot to end in. Yeah, agree. So, I just hope I that the know. team doesn't just, look at that and be like, oh, good. We don't need to improve upon that because that's definitely something that like, yeah, especially for me, I've been harping on it all the time. Like you should be looking to improve every position on the field. Obviously, there's some that need it more than others, but you should be looking to improve and to push people to improve by signing yep. at least players that are just as competitive to create that competition, to create yep. players working hard day in and day out to try to be better than they are and like that's all roster construction stuff that we've been over and over and i don't want to rehash it again but oh my goodness we need a better roster yeah yeah (laughs) no i I agree for a sub million dollar striker i don't think not bad yeah agreed like i I will eating crow on 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 court of the second half of the season which was weird because the team was doing worse but he was doing better um and I think the entrance of Saverino into our team, I think, uh, definitely Probably helped played a part in uh, Cordova quite a bit because we had somebody who could who could pass in the ball really effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I I mean, he's making less than Julio, and Julio plays can't play twenty minutes in a freaking playoff in an elimination playoff game. So it's like, and I'm I, like I I don't know if I'm being in like non sympathetic unsympathetic to the cold thing, but I'm just like so bugged that like. I mean, it feels like something more, right? It, 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 if it's not, then like, come on. <laughs> Again, it, it, this is why I go back to the Diego Luna thing. It feels like it's right, just yeah. coach's preference and the people that have to defend it online. 
They don't or have just, to. Or just coming up with reasons to be like, oh, yeah, Pablo made the right decision because of <laughs> Put XYZ. In Put in Danny, man. Like, literally, why did we sign him? I If we're not, if he can't get minutes in that situation, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Agreed. Real, yep. real kind of tough all around. That tactical retreat. What can you yeah. do? What or, can you do? Um, I know what you can do, but never mind. Not that. It was going to be a little bit more oh. censored. Yeah, that. don't don't make me do more work, Trevor. I, I'll, <laughs> I already to. have to splice together things. I'm not That's going right. to. Um, anyway, so are we finished? with? The, oh, I lost track of the doc. Is there more things we need to talk about? I mean, the doc? Uh, no, no. no, we pretty much got it. It's, I mean, I the, if it feels like such a, like a, a weird way to end the season. Uh, because be, like all that build up uh, to to lead into what nothing uh, was just and to such, take on sixty plus crosses for nothing. Uh, it, it's well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The team. Uh, I will point this out because this was pointed out to me at some point this season. I'm not naming names, but somebody pointed this out that uh, this team has gone has a really really butter knifed record um of playoff when they get into the playoff uh i think it was seven of the last eight playoff appearances for this team which is going back like 10 or 11 years i think seven out of the last eight times that we've been to the playoffs we won the first round yeah and we didn't no no and 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 that's not like that kind of stat is like it's it was brought up to me as like a, a something to hang the hat on because like we were the only team in the league that had that kind of like playoff record. Every yeah. other team, even like the best teams in the league, the top of the table, all the time teams don't have that kind of record. And so it was posed as like if we get into the playoffs, we're getting into the second round, like for sure. And I was like, yeah, I mean, so it's a different team this year with a different coach. So you can't say that. Yeah, here's here's the big and, like the weird thing about the last two first rounds of the playoff for me. So we've been completely outgunned in both. And we didn't have, like, we can look at the Seattle game and we see echoes in the Austin game. Yeah. Right? Uh, except we, we had shots and we scored goals. Yeah. Uh, but but there was, like, that, I don't know, that lack of explosiveness at the end that uh, we, we made it out that time and it was great and exciting and fun and ridiculous. And one of the weirdest playoff games I've seen. It's this exciting was also fun. one of the weirdest playoff games I've seen because I've never seen a team <clears throat> retreat quite so much after being so dominant in, in like the beginning. Like we, Austin is has, I it, I believe they have a worse home record than they have an, uh, with a away record. Correct. Yeah, let me double check that. But I, I believe so. It's it's either very close. Going or into that, they have a terrible home home uh, record despite being a very good team like they have a lot yeah. of points this season very bad record at home and we very clearly saw why like they seem I, I don't know what it is about playing at home i know we got like completely trounced last time we played them despite i you know last time we played them uh which is the game where uh pablo freaked out after um we played really well until they subbed in Gite and then they just smoked us uh which was a, another example of like them not being like having the killer instinct at home and they didn't have the killer instinct 
during this game either. It required a, a 93rd minute penalty against a 10 man team that was playing uh, a formation without a striker for 35 minutes in the second half. And then they couldn't score an extra time either. Like this wasn't an unbeatable team. And that's, what's so frustrating to me. It was like, yeah, they had a lot of points this season, but like we, we clearly saw with how this game started that we could like, we could get this team on their back foot. And I know we got a red card, but like the opportunity was there to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're in these single elimination games, it's just like, you have to give it literally everything you can or else it's over. And I don't think we did, which is the most frustrating part about this team. Like I, all the problems we've, we've already talked about, like the issues with what I think the ownership front office coach, et cetera. Um, and then the, the, the like this roster in, it, it itself, it's like, I somehow still feel when I'm watching this team is that like we can be better because I know we can be. And we saw it at times this season where I thought we played really well. And so I know what these players are capable of. There are players who played last year who were really good. We who we didn't see play well this year, Rubio Rubin, until like the last two games of the season until his red card. It's like <clears throat> I know this team is capable of more. And that's why I'm so critical of of like these performances is because I just think it's like this was a this this is a game we sh- we should have won. I, I like well, and I before the game I probably wouldn't have said that, but I felt good before the game. We came out swinging. And we knocked him in the face twice and then we just let it slip away and completely, I think, unnecessarily. And it was a matter of our own undoing, which is so frustrating because we should be playing another game this week. So but how many how many times have we said that like throughout the season? Like this was a winnable game. Yeah, I, I mean, 15? maybe not 15, 10. <laughs> I mean, I, how, like, many, I, how many games did we draw at home? How many games did we lose at home? You know like, what I think, honestly, it's like leads like the, you don't have to look yeah. it up, Matt. We're not like digging into actual numbers here. I'm just making a general point. This team. I yeah, mean, if I'm going to wear these glasses, I have to dig into yeah, actual sure. numbers now. There's, yeah. there's so many. It, it's, it's a contradiction in my brain to be like, this game was definitely winnable, while at the same time being like, this was the most predictable outcome, and like, of course, we were going to like lose this game. Like, yeah. but it's definitely like. They're both true. They are the, too. The game yeah, was absolutely winnable. And even I, again, even with the red card, the game was absolutely winnable. We should be playing another game this weekend. But it's still also true to be like, yeah, we, I mean, this team was going to lose that game from that yeah. position because we've done that this season. We we just whether it's coaching or players or, or whatever, there's been so many times where we've just like it's not good enough. And I mean, it's, it's, it's because we now in this kind of way, it's because we see these dramatic, these dramatic shifts, whether it's across the, the, the season, or in this case, literally within the game of like what we're capable of. And then on the other end, like what happens to us when we're like not on it. And I yeah. don't, what I, I, another thing that I think that I've been thinking quite a, a, a lot about recently is how, like, I, I know the big thing is like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> Uh, MLS constantly underrates RSL and picks them to finish lower than than they do, and that that's absolutely true. But I think that like other teams are just overrated as well. Like I I I don't think that the other MLS teams that you know that we're up against are as good as as like the MLS analysts or whatever seem to think. And like you know, just because we overperformed against their expectations doesn't mean that we weren't capable of more. And I yep. cannot look at the season and thinking that we weren't capable of more. It didn't need to be 
as dramatic of an entrance into the playoff as, as it was. Of course, we mentioned how we had the worst run of form over like a 17, 18 game stretch in club history. And it definitely didn't have to be like that. We made a lot of choices that seemed to cause that outcome. And so it's so frustrating to like have these contradicting seeming beliefs in our head. That's like, I know all of these things are wrong and like all, all these things we need to fix about like this team and this club organization, or whatever, and still think that with what we do have right now, it should be better. And I don't think that's like crazy. Like it, it feels weird sometimes, but it's like, I don't know, like you can't go to that, can't that DC draw at home and think that like that was acceptable regardless of how bad the roster is or how bad, you know, the, the injuries that we have, et cetera. Like, there's been so many times this season where both of those things, like you're saying, are true, Trevor, where it's like, yeah, this roster isn't great. It's it's gotten worse since last season, sadly. But this roster is still capable of more than what we saw from them sometimes. And I don't think Pablo believed in this roster during this game as much as I did. Like, I genuinely felt that if we kept playing the game that we set out to play when we showed up on Sat Sunday, just with one less striker fewer striker sorry then we could like we could have made that game we could have won like that was the most well, insane thing about it is like i feel like i'm believing in these players more than pablo is right now because it was such a cynical move to just load up your your two lines with as many defensive minded players as possible and just hope for the best like it just sucks and, yeah, <laughs> and I, I wish we had another game it speaks to just failures all over all across like every aspect of this team to say that like the players are good enough that we could have done better. Yeah. And we didn't, that that's a failure. And the, the season, like the coaching could have been better in the final game and in several other games, we should have beat DC. And like, that's a failure. It's just like, it's a string of failures all across the board from the players to the coach, to the roster construction, to the front off. Like, uh, uh, it's just so many failures that just compound each other. And that that's what's really frustrating is like, it seems, of course, we're like armchair quarterbacking this thing sure. a week later, but it seems like we could have had a better roster. We could have played better. We could have done smarter things. We could have made better decisions, like individually from players and also from the coach. Like, and it just seems so easy that for, for those decisions to have been made because we've seen the results throughout the entire season. And it just seems like nobody's learning the lesson as you go through the season. Like, yeah. Anyway, season's over. We'll be back next year. Go team. We're going to keep going. Yeah. Are we going to pod during the world cup? We should do that. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, okay, are we going to pod man, about man. the world cup? Is that what no, you're no. asking? We're going to watch wanna... John Carpenter movies and <laughs> compare him to, uh, you don't want to talk about the world cup, Trevor. I'm not going to watch it. You're not? Probably not. I'm going to watch it and pay reparate, not reparations. What's the word? Uh, <laughs> indulgences. Mm -hmm. indulgences. Uh, Catholic like, style. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. The games are going to be Mountain at what time? Uh, what time of day? Mountain standard time. They're like, they're like early afternoon, I think. I don't think that's true. Even a little bit. Oh, wow. Uh, I think they're going to be at like 2 a.m. and 7 a.m. Uh, no, we've got a bunch of 9 a.m.s. Okay. Got some noons. Yeah, I told you. Some early afternoon. 8 a.m.s, but we, we also do have a 3 a.m. in Group C on 
how is that how can we have both a noon game and a 3 a.m game how is that even possible is it broadcast time or is that when the actual games are happening that's when it's actually happening gotta be live there's no nightmare how is how is that possible because it's in qatar it's on the other side of the world no but how can you play a noon game and a 3 a.m game how can you make it nine hours apart from each other Oh, because I've got to do games in the morning over there because I can't do them in the middle of the day because it's 120 degrees. Oh, so these we're talking idea. morning or night games, and we're looking at the equivalent between those two things. Right? Yeah, that's that's my guess. I have no oh, idea. I'm not doing the math. Gross. Uh, but either way, my point uh, is, this, I'm going to be watching. I the can't times wait. are for me in my profession the most inconvenient thing in the history yeah. of the world. Yeah, like I'll watch games if they're on Saturday or Sunday, maybe. But also, I just generally have moral feelings about this world cup sure and what it represents that like i don't care about this world cup like yeah the whole thing is just such a bummer and i don't want to be constantly reminded of how big of a bummer the whole world cup is just go around i'll get excited about it in four years games are at noon okay i didn't but that's uh november uh, sorry. I mean, Trevor, I am sympathetic to your view. I unfortunately have to keep watching this garbage. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also, tw- like I said, besides that, like I can't watch games in the morning or yeah. at noon. I can't. Twenty first is at noon uh, against Wales. Twenty fifth, which is a uh, sorry, the twenty first is a Monday. Twenty fifth is a Friday. Uh, that's at noon well, against I, England. Hold, hold on, we've got the perfect solution for you here, Trevor. It's been staring us in the face the whole time. You have a cold, and you can only work <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> of course, why didn't I think of that? There you go. Oh, you can okay. have that one for free. Wait, Matt, where did you see we had a three a.m. game? Uh, it's not the U.S. It's just oh, there is a three a.m. game. Yeah, I see. Okay. There are quite a few yeah, at three a.m. I see that. That sucks, actually. So they yeah. did like the U.S. games for our benefit. It oh, seems yeah. like. I mean, hopefully. Uh, I mean, but like, at least we're there. Anyway, at if least you want to podcast there. like during the World Cup time, fine. But I just won't be able to speak intelligently about the games. I mean, since when has that ever mattered? <laughs> when has that been a problem? <laughs> oh, you beat me to it, Kyle. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we all got there the exact same time. <laughs> Did you guys see? Uh, um, I'm, this is so funny. I, this is completely unrelated. Did you guys see that there's been a, a battle between the Jazz and the Apple Corporation about it's, who owns the tech what? take note? Yeah, the take note. Uh, it looks hashtag. like it came back to the Jazz, right? The jazz got it back. Nice. That's really funny. Um, so now Tim Cook just has some tweets about taking take note. With the, it, it had an Apple. You know how like Twitter does like the little icon? Yeah, the, the hash flag? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they got the jazz got it back. So that's that's pretty good. Very cool. Win one for the good guys. Yeah. Ryan Smith tweeted. Now we're really ready for tomorrow night. I'll be actually at the jazz game tomorrow. Funnily enough, um, I really well, hope they is, lose. Is the why? The jazz need to lose every game this season. Okay, that's fine. They, um, and I mean it as a good fan in this case. We need Victor <laughs> Wenbanyama, the 7 3 phenom that is essentially, if you crossed Ke- uh, Kevin Durant and Kareem Abdul Jabbar, it's insane. What a player. Okay. I'm convinced. Um, when does the regular season like actually start? Tomorrow. The yeah. NBA tomorrow game started. Like, 
the actual NBA season. Yeah, the NBA okay. season started today. Jazz's first game is tomorrow. Okay. Um, somebody re- gotta- responded to Ryan Smith said, "I'm once again, once again asking you if I can have the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert mannequins from the team store." <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny for Halloween decorations. Beautiful. Uh, I mean, just to have, right? Uh, oh, sure, just to have. Not a like, bad idea. You Always could feel like you have friends around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Should we end this well, thing? This is a, that's a better way to end this than also. Okay. Sorry. Small thing win. is that they made the new take note uh, logo thing uh, black, so it can't be seen on dark mode very easily. And I am Ooh. having a so they one oversight for another. It's looking like, but um, kind of a bummer. Hey, I really hope just every single aspect of this stupid rebrand that the Jazz are going through just fails at every <laughs> single hurdle. <laughs> Me and too. so Ryan Smith goes, oh, that was a really bad idea. You're absolutely right. I won't do that with my other sports franchises. Instead of what he might do because he's a tech bro and be like, we'll do it better the second time with all the lessons that we learned from the first one. Oh, man. Please yeah, they are... don't rebrand ourselves, oh Ryan gosh. Smith, for the love of all that's holy. Just leave it alone. This is hey, so funny. No, we've Battle been all this. in on the rebrand from the very beginning. We it's absolutely Ryan Salt Lake. Ryan Salt Lake. <laughs> Ryan Salt Lake. <laughs> yep. I've already got just, the, okay. the letters. As long as we keep all the colors the same, as long as we keep the logo the same, like it's fine. Yellow Rename and black. the team. Yes. Put new signs up. Ryan says Ryan Salt Lake. Basically, I'm just like board. Red Bull New York, except it's uh, you know yeah. Ryan. What if um, we're Ryan Air Salt Lake? And we yeah, because no, Red Bull uh, New yeah. York still changed the like changed the colors and everything. What if we go a black to yellow gradient, top to bottom? Oh my god! Or each letter could be a gradient, so it's left to right. Or a radial gradient, so it goes. Matthew, into, yeah, stop it. All right, okay. <laughs> can I? Can we just have a quick, like really quickly? Why? Yeah. Why not? Why are the New York Red Bulls the New York Red Bulls instead of Red Bull New York? Like, if you follow, like the they are. Well, uh, sort okay, of. not not officially, but like they the are fans the, the New York it's Red Bull New York. So they are they're it's called the, the New York Red Bulls, but for That's, some reason, uh, the hashtag and. Like their handle is RBNY. Yeah. But the New York Red Bulls 2 is NYRB2. Like yeah. they didn't follow the convention for the second team. They're not called Red Bull New York officially, the first team, even though like their social would reflect that. Like like Osberg or Leipzig, I think for instance. In need of a rebrand. <laughs> they should absolutely Ryan so like their crest is Red Bull New York. What right. I don't understand is like, is it just because they needed to Americanize it where like a, you have to have like a mascot in I the name so. of a team where it's like the New York Red Bulls? They're the yeah. Red Bulls. So yeah. here's the thing. We can get Mark Fishkin on the pod. He's the guy All that right. does uh, Seeing Red New York. And he's the guy that like I've attempted with a good time. Has ever talked about this online. <laughs> he's the guy that has the strongest opinions. Um, oh, what, what is his opinion? It's that it should be or at least online the hashtag is rbny because it's red bull new york on the badge and that's what you should be calling the team because sure. the name that's on the badge okay and i'm fully on board with that so now we don't even need to have him on we just basically have the whole conversation <laughs> no, with I, I think we should just have every mark we know on we should podcast. we should just get a collection of marks yeah we like it could be get all of our, our cabal of marks together and just get them all on the pod yeselevsky yeah. fishkin let's There's go three. That's three marks. You guys aren't ready for Mark Three version of oh, this we've podcast. We've also got the guy that did our uh, logo, Mark McClellan. Mark McClellan. Oh, yeah, Mark McClellan. All right, let's add another Mark in the mix. All right. Anyone know? If you, hey, if you're Mark, 
You want this to not a Mark, be... but if your name is Mark and you want to be on pod, just let us or know. Or if you're a we, Mark, either is fine. We've got a pretty you just good, have to go by Mark on pod. We've got a pretty good uh, attorneys firm with us so far. We got Castner McClellan, Yeslevsky, <laughs> yes, and, and Fishkin. Fishkin. That's, yeah, that's right. Really the partners, good. the four Attorney partners, the four yeah. guys that are all. Every single one of them is equally good friends with each other. They all know each other very well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. Enjoy the rest of the MLS playoffs. Look forward Watch to El Trafico because it'll be fun, I think. I don't know. Maybe not. More, but yeah. More, anyway. more off-season pods. We're going to do off-season stuff. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not every single week. You're but not rid of us yet. We're not going to abandon you like RSL Sundays. We'll be here through and through <laughs> to the bitter end. Well, depends on how. Depends <laughs> Never on how name your podcast. It's good. To be, if, the good thing about our podcast is we're not named after a day, so we're not committing to anything. Yeah, we're just RSL committing, Sundays. You're kind of committed. To be one of the biggest disappointments in Real Salt Lake history. That's right, baby. Wear that badge. All right. Bye. Good night. Good, night. good evening and good morning tomorrow. Bye. <laughs>